Avatar The Way of Water arrives 13 years after the original, and we couldn't be more excited for a new film by James Cameron. Today we'll discuss the sequel's characters and themes, along with the absurdly expensive looking visuals, as we explore the world of Pandora. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We are here today to talk about Avatar, Way of the Water, the sequel, the long-awaited sequel I should say, <laughs> to Avatar which came out in 2009. Uh, the, the fact that blows my mind is that the gap between Avatar 1 and 2 is actually bigger than Titanic and Avatar. And that sticks out in my mind because I was waiting for the next James Cameron film for like most of my teenage years. And then eventually when I was 20, I got Avatar. <laughs> and it's been even longer until we got Avatar 2. So uh, here we are. We'll start spoiler free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get into the spoilers uh, so you can be safe from them. Uh, but uh, yes, obviously there might be some casual spoilers for the first Avatar, even at the start of this, just because as a direct follow-up, it follows on from the events of the first film. So references to who survived the first movie and things like that are just going to naturally be there so if you haven't seen the first one for some reason and you're clicking on a review for avatar 2 uh be aware of that so uh, we shall get into it but we just reviewed the first film uh, it was the last episode and we were both probably more positive than most on the internet <laughs> when it comes to avatar internet nerdum doesn't like it very much so uh we were both excited for way of the water and a uh, big event for us this weekend so we're going to talk about it and we'll get into things uh the basic gist is more or less what i think we thought it was going to be which was the the sky people have returned because uh it's been about a decade or so later and uh jake and the teary have a bunch of kids now uh, we'll get into all that of course but uh also we knew that the actor who played the villain quartrich quartrich was back but we didn't know how and what capacity he was coming back. Obviously, I, I would stay away from describing that until we get to spoilers. But yes, he is back in some capacity. And uh, this leads to going to new parts of Pandora and the the bigger threat from the humans from Earth uh, growing now. Because inevitably, they were always going to come back with more force just because they won the fight in the first movie. What, what do you think the reaction is going to be from the, the, the military and the government when, like, the, the, the people who are jettisoned from Pandora, like, arrive on Earth, and they say, oh, uh, the blue people, uh, like, fought us and sent us home packing. Well, they're going to say, well, here's ten times the military. Go back and take what's ours. That's what they're going to say, so. That's the gist of it. Without getting too spoiler, that's the gist of Avatar 2. So, Tara, how did you feel about Avatar Way of the War? Hmm. I loved it. I thought it was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful film. It's like, um, it's like when you think effects can't get any better, you know, we're at, we're at peak. Everything looks beautiful. Like maybe they'll get better, but like it won't matter at this point. And then you see something like this and you go, oh, no, this is like next generation. This is like the difference between, you know, the PlayStation 4 and 5 and you're like, Oh, no, no, no. This is different. This is better. This is incredible. I mean, maybe better is the wrong word. It's better quality, but, like, it's still 
it's definitely a step up, you know, things have been elevated from here. <laughs> I thought, um, I mean, yeah, obviously this is just like the technology or whatever, but like, it feels so good to get a James Cameron movie, a new James Cameron movie, because the man just knows how to tell a story and it is a great story. I mean, I've heard people say otherwise, but I do think it's a really beautiful story that's being told. I love the, I love all the new characters in this. I think the kids are, are like just steal the show. I think they're all great. Um, some of them have more to do than others, um, but it's more like their story anyway. And it's also nice knowing that that Cameron has a plan. So like maybe if if some of the characters seem like they don't get as much to do, we know that well there's there's so many other movies coming out after this where I know they're going to have a chance to shine. So like, I, I still find this story to be very satisfying, um, very emotional and very beautiful. I also like the movie a lot, actually. And I, one of the things that you said there that I kind of want to like just emphasize a bit more is you said how like this is elevated effects again. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of big movies that come out now where I like, I'm baffled with how the, their budgets are like 200, 300 million dollars because I don't see it on the screen. Um, because one of the things you said there is that oh things can't get any better, but then they did. But I think the the one caveat I'd put in that is that yeah, from Avatar one, I agree with that statement. But I wouldn't agree that Hollywood in the last like five years, like I, I think most big movies recently have had kind of you know it feels like they're kind of just shoving out whatever effects. They don't really care that much. You know, I I wouldn't describe as even the movie that briefly beat Avatar at the box office Endgame like. The effects in that aren't that great. Like they're they're kind of just passable for a movie of that size. It's, it's like one of the most biggest sure, movies of all time. But, but I mean, we had like the Apes movies, which you know also kind of did that, where, where it's like, oh, this is incredible. This is like Avatar level, but with fur. Oh, <laughs> so oh, maybe uh, even better. Sure, I'm not saying there's no examples. I'm just saying in general, right? And the superhero stuff is so prevalent, and so, this is most of what the big blockbusters mm -hmm. are. That I think my my feeling in the last few years because you know the last apes movie was what 2017 you know it's been five years already since that last one um my feeling recently is that movies don't have good effects like they're kind of you know like they're under the bar they should be at for you know for whatever reason because they're saving costs because they're spending the money elsewhere because they don't think it's important enough so the this leap that this movie has feels even bigger <laughs> because movies have been under the bar that what they should be at recently and then this is like raising it again and i think this movie is extremely expensive and there's all sorts of talk this week about how much it actually has to make to break even i think it's all a bit false in the speculation because clearly it's kind of a package deal with at least the third one if not like beyond that and disney are building theme parks they're building so much stuff they want this to be a franchise i i think cameron himself is being a little cheeky with him saying, oh, well, four and five won't get made unless this makes like, you know, two and a half billion. No, Whatever. I don't think, I don't think it needs to be <laughs> that much. It, it, and it's not probably not going to, and I don't think it needs to. But I think this leap in effects feels even bigger because movies in general have had mediocre CG for, a, and even when the apes were coming out, they were the exception by and large like a lot of movies around that time weren't putting out the effects that apes were which i admit were kind of the gold standard of the last you know decade give or take and same kind of goes for action scenes cameron shoots action scenes so well the third act of this movie is just so it just reminds you of like oh yeah this is 
a Cameron movie because it, it, it feels like you already know the characters at this point and you are rooting for them. And then you watch the action and you're like, oh, like, I love this. This is, this feels right. This feels good. This is like, you get the, the general sense of like where everybody is, what's happening. You get familiar story beats, even from other Cameron films, but like, you, you'll like seeing it because it feels good to, to know that, well, I'm very confident that Cameron knows how to tell this story, how to, how to show this scene play out, you know? Again, the action direction is on another level. It, it, honestly, I, I was expecting it to be good because I know Cameron's good at action, but watching it, it just—it actually makes me kind of sad. That I'm like, wh- why are all other action movies recently like not good? Well, at least you know they're, they're all like again they're, they're kind of serviceable. Like a lot of the action you yeah. get in a lot of other recent blockbusters is serviceable, but it's like really not like. And part of the problem is, is that- flashy. Like they have like one thing that they're trying to do. That's mm. you know, like the hall, the hallway fight from like old boys trying to be like recreated, and, and a bunch of other things. Because that's okay. like the trendy <laughs> thing to do right now. I'm, I'm glad. You know? I'm glad that's what you meant with that. I thought you were going to criticize old boys. See, I was like, wait, we talking about old boys? Like, great- I only said old boy. But I've not seen it because I know that that's the thing that you always bring up if I bring up something else like dread or something. You know, <laughs> something I've actually seen but i know that was like the that was like the cool thing to do in hollywood for a little while like that's our that's the action people want to see oh if people like this let's just do this again over and over again well, do, do i know but, why the, the hallway fights were generally working is because it forced a level of constraint on the filmmakers because they're in this confined space and typically the ones that were impressive like the ones in the daredevil show were like oh we're going to do it all in one take and because of that you actually kind of like inherently get the what Cameron's so good at doing is one of the things you said there when you were describing what the, why the action in the third act was so good is because you always understood where everyone was and the geography, their relation to each other, what their goals were in the scene, what the jeopardy was in the scene. And there's so many big budget movies, and it is mostly superior stuff, but I'm, I'm not trying to rag on them. It's just that they happen to be what most of the big movies are these days. Is they, I know they have this like assembly line or like pipeline production thing now where they start like doing the pre the vis for the action sequences before they've even hired a director. So they're kind of like this plug-and-play thing, and that's like one of the reasons why they feel a little disjointed, is that the director's not making decisions for the action sequences that benefit the story. They're, 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 they're given a film where the action scenes are already mapped out, and they have very little control over them, and they're just directing all the other scenes. <laughs> and I think when you watch this movie, like, everything and every scene is in you know it's in service of what the story is and it's a director where every single part of it and some may argue there's too much of it because it's three hours and like 20 minutes long it's a long ass movie i don't care right (laughs) but every single thing feels like it's part of his vision to try and create this story and you can criticize the final story if you want obviously we are a bit more positive on it than most people or some people anyway but Everything feels like it's part of his vision and act like what he's creating, and it's it's so it's so there's so few directors who can make a big budget movie right now and get the level of control that a Cameron uh, or a Christopher Nolan. Like I just saw the trailer for Oppenheimer today because it just came out, and I saw it at the IMAX today. Christopher Nolan can just walk into a room at any studio and say, "I want to make this movie. Give me two hundred million dollars, and you'll make enough money to make it worth your while." And he'll just get it and. Regardless of the faults, and some of his later films have got faults, they're they're Christopher Nolan's films. Like he made what he wanted to make, and yeah, he's a name, so yeah. people ha- people have you know confidence in him. Yeah, and so does audience. You know, people will go. 
and similar with Jim Cameron is you you get uh, this is his film right for any faults you want to throw at it you know it's on him he 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 made these choices he wasn't forced by a studio uh, it's it's not something that's as constrained by the system as a lot of other things are and th- th- what I'm really getting at with all this is that because of that when you get these action sequences that feel like they're actually adding to the story and everything's been building up to this particular action scene they feel really like they fit and they're earned as opposed to oh okay it's time for the action scene that was like predetermined <laughs> beforehand uh and maybe that's why a lot of those action scenes aren't that well directed it's not even that the directors making the movies aren't good at it they're not even getting a chance to really direct them because they're already like they're being told oh this is what the action scene is we've already decided on these are the big fx shots so you know any choice you might have had isn't there so whereas with this everything looks great obviously but it's the 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 way it's edited the way it's directed and paced everything you understand and the, the third act of this movie there's a lot of like there's a lot of characters involved there's a lot of things going on there's, there's vehicles there's you know and there's water right yeah. <laughs> which only just it's, adds things it's a, it's a new pandora even like we're in a whole different part of the planet that yeah. we're not used to from the first movie so like obviously we know uh, jake and Natiri, but like it still looks so much different from the first film not just like technically but like the whole landscape mm. is different yeah and that's a big obviously point in the film is that we've left the you know the 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 jungle and movement into the, uh, the the oasis or whatever you want to call it like you know the um the reef people as they, they refer to them in the film uh and it's so it's a slightly different looking type of navi you know they look a bit more uh, amphibian they've got a lighter skin tone you know it feels like a different part of the world uh which is something you don't often get in science fiction you know normally in science fiction that planet has one species on it it has one climate <laughs> No, there's like definitely yeah. adaptations from just evolving in a different part of a different type of climate than yeah. the other um, Navi. Uh, yeah, one small detail I'll just mention here is that uh, the 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 sea Navi, if you want to call them that or whatever, uh, like they kind of make fun of the of like our regular uh, Navi's tails. They don't think their tails are that big, and they kind of like you know, and yeah, you can joke about penis sizes and whatever if you want but it's it's, it's basically just like a it's just to show a I never difference thought of that. that's such a man comment <laughs> i'm not saying you should i'm just I'm, the, the idea of the t- teasing them for having small tails come on <laughs> what does that sound like it sounds like a a 12 year old making a joke about a dick size come on 12 year olds don't make that kind of joke <laughs> uh yes they do <laughs> about penis size yeah, they're still growing. <laughs> they're not even. I mean, maybe they're around puberty age at twelve. Trust me, twelve-year-old boys make dick jokes. <laughs> okay, but they don't understand them. <laughs> maybe they don't. I'm not. I, I I am not claiming they understand anything, but they absolutely make <laughs> dick jokes. I remember being twelve. Okay. I'm sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> Thanks. I guess. <laughs> But no, I mean, so I wanted to hit in those points though, because you just because we when you threw out like the the effects like being another step up, like you can see every penny that this movie had spent on it on the screen. It looks gorgeous. It looks technically on another level, um, and the action is so well directed that it just it, it puts most recent stuff to kind of shame as far as action specifically goes. Obviously. Like, the story, once again, isn't that complicated. And if I have, like, a, a negative thing to say about this movie, is that 
when I was going into it, there was kind of a hope, right? There was a hope that this was going to be so far and above the first one that it was going to, like, you know, you know I was getting thinking, all right, he's, is James Cameron doing a sequel, right? And his two other sequels, not, well, not counting Piranha 2, for obvious reasons. <laughs> his two other sequels are Aliens and Terminator 2. That's a, that's a lofty bar. <laughs> that's a lofty expectation to go into a movie with. And if there's any disappointment to even remotely say, and it's it's not a big one, but it would be, it's not on that level, right? It's 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 better than the first movie. I think the emotional beats with the characters, and I think it is partly because of the kids are good. So like, I think the main kid that we follow uh, is the heart of the movie. And it, if anything, he gets more screen time than Jake and the Teary, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it really kind of is his movie. Um... I think the emotional beats land better than the first one did. It feels like a stronger film. It's a little bit messier because it is longer and there's a lot more going on. But I think the emotional beats like land harder and that's great. So it's better than the first film. But I still think that it's not going to necessarily convert people who just didn't like Avatar at all. And I would say that it's really good, but it's still under like Cameron's like top three or four, like, you know, relatively comfortably. Because the story is still relatively quite simple. You know, it's a revenge story. There's some really good character beats in it. But, you know, it's not... You know, it's not a Terminator. It's not... Uh, you know, T2. It's not Aliens. It's not... Um, I like this better than T2. That's a bold statement. I, I, Look, I, I, know, I just got hey, out of the theater, like, like, really not that long ago. I'm not complaining. Spaciness. It's a, it's a slightly spacey take. <laughs> I think spacey take well, is, is good for business. <laughs> hot on terminator 2 as a lot of other people like i i know it's a very important film to a very lot to like a lot of boys that are you know (laughs) your age and through whatever gen x or whatever the you know 40 year old somethings are i think i think that's a a very important film to them (laughs) because of the father-son relationship stuff going on uh plus it's a very cool movie it's very action i think the heart of this movie lands with me a bit more and i like i really do love uh jake and natiri in this movie and i love you know the first avatar i was really positive on that when we reviewed it and um I, I, yeah i don't know i think this uh, this movie just kind of speaks to me a bit more than that one does that's fair that's fair i mean i mean, i, 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 mean, I, I was mainly I, I, I obviously don't have to preface everything i say with this but i'm i'm always saying what i think i'm always saying how I feel about it. Um, and, you know, to, to me, Cameron's got, like, his four, like, or five movies that are, like, his, like... That's why James Cameron is James Cameron. Honestly, like, I see almost all of his his filmography in this movie. Like, all those movies felt like practice to make this. <laughs> Not that I'm saying that this one's better than all of those, because I, I still have my favorites also, but, like, I... I like there's there's a little bit of Titanic in this. There's there's definitely aliens in this. Although I hate it when you bring that up, but it's true in this case. There's there's Terminator Two in this at parts. Like I, I just see so much of of his films been like I can do this again in this movie, and it's gonna be like uh, it's gonna be great. Like this is <laughs> that was that was all storyboard for Avatar Two. It seems. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not weird. Some directors have like themes and motifs that they go back to. That's like you know that's that's just normal. Like uh, most directors who have like a long filmography will have, you know, ideas that they keep coming back to because it's what appeals to them or, or whatever. So yeah, you know. I mean, totally. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you you can recognize parts in this. I mean, 
so I think some of them stick out a bit more than others, but uh, th there's absolutely, I mean, Titanic's the easy one just because there's so much water stuff, you know, <laughs> especially towards the end with, like, you know, being trapped or trying to, like, get away from water and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that stuff going on towards the end. So, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I liked Avatar more than Titanic, so it's no surprise that I like this one also more than Titanic. <laughs> so it's an, easy, it's an easy, easy win for me. I saw the movie with my sister, and I said, what's your favorite camera movie? And she said, Titanic. <laughs> I mean, she, she was a young girl in the 90s. I, I suppose I can't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, so were you. So was I, yeah. Well, Titanic's pretty high on my list, too. Because, again, like, when you go to a, a Cameron movie, it's just like, I'm going to the movies, and I'm going to see the next big blockbuster film of whatever Christmas time or whatever it is. And you leave the theater going, that was incredible. That was magnificent. That was a ride. That was way more than I got from any other film I saw this year. And I am just like emotionally like drained and like visually. <laughs> I just, there's, I've never seen anything like that before. And I even, I had that with Titanic, you know? I, yeah, there's a love story and stuff, but you know, I was a teenage girl and yeah, I, I was in love with Leo also. <laughs> But like the, you know, I, I did, you just come out of a, a James Cameron movie and going like, that's why they make movies, you know, <laughs> this is, this is the feeling you're supposed to have. And he just reminds you, not that we ever, you know, lost our love of cinema or even like new films, but it just reminds you like, you could still be mesmerized. You could still be amazed. You could still say that was magnificent when you left the theater, you know, I am mad at James Cameron though. Because during this promotional stuff, mm -hmm. especially after you've watched the movie, it just it's even more like mind blowing this decision. Um, he had to have been forced to do it. It's my only thing is that he went to Japan. <laughs> he went to like Japanese SeaWorld and said, Welcome to Pandora and like all these like whale riders and like <laughs> all these <laughs> Uh, dolphins came out and did flippy doos for an audience and stuff like that. Like, why would you go to someplace so awful, like a Sea World, in a country that eats whales, <laughs> to promote this movie? It's so mind blowing to me. Um, I have thoughts on that, but I can't really talk about them. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. I, I'm just I'm so angry about that. Uh, and especially after you watch the film, it's, I mean, we could bring it up again later if you like, but that is the one thing about this movie that I am super pissed off in. And it is just James Cameron. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Do you have ethics or don't you? <laughs> um, I, I didn't know he did that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I saw that like uh, a few days ago and I was just like, well, that's disappointing. And then when you, after you watch the movie, you're like, well, now that's mind boggling. Like that's doesn't make any sense anymore. Anyway, on the on the movie's runtime, um, you know, people are saying it's it's too long. I would, I would say that there's maybe a little chunk in the middle that could be cut down a bit, and I, I, I only say this because it all looked fantastic. There was a point, at the sort of in the like back half of the middle hour, where I started to think. I don't need as many shots of people staring at things uh, that are beautiful because it, like, it made sense when we first went to the new part of the planet and they're looking at all these things underwater for the first time and all that. Uh, but it felt like we got like, an extra couple of montages of people just looking at things that were pretty uh, as the music played. And 
you know, obviously you're thinking, oh, I know this movie's like three hours and, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it is. And I'm just thinking... Never once thought about it. There, there's, a, <laughs> there's a few minutes here that could probably be trimmed. I, I, I don't think... I think, I don't think, I think some of the scenes that you're talking about is for a character that's going to... Like, there's some setup for a character in this that um, a lot of shots of her just kind of looking at pretty things seem to be some sort of connection that's going to come up in a later film. And then, like probably just the next film even. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into any of that until we get this, bro. I just want like, but you, you you can establish that just with a little bit less of it. Like there's still such a thing as just doing it too many times. Honestly, like I'm kind of tired of this argument of like, I hear this all the time. Like, cause I, you know, I, I do listen to other people who talk about movies and they always bring up like, Oh, could it have been shorter? And I'm so tired of that now. <laughs> like, I know this movie is over three hours. And so that is a fair question to ask. But at the same time, I'm like, every, this is the, the this is what James Cameron wanted us to see. This is the director, I assume what the director's cut is. You know, this is the movie that was trimmed down already to say, no, this is all the stuff that I want the audience to see. You know, it's like ordering something in a, a beautiful meal <laughs> from like a, 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 a three-star Michelin star chef and being like, I don't know, a little too many carrots <laughs> or something. Like, well, that's the meal. The meal has this many carrots in it. I don't know. Like, it's just such a, uh, like, yeah, maybe you can trim some stuff down. Like, well, I guess, but I feel like all that stuff was so necessary to, to like really understand all the kids because they were the heart of the film. So watching them, you know, explore and like build relationships and stuff like that is, was all important to me and yeah. even like building up oh, hold on, the hold on world a of hold on, Pandora. Hold on a second. Before you go to anything else, I, I don't know if I agree with the, the the analogy you just came up with there because the way you're describing it is that <laughs> I don't really want to go into that honestly. We're, we're like, not we're, we're not allowed to critique something. Like I can go. No, s- I, that's not what I'm saying though. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but you are. You're basically saying that you know, like we're not, like you don't you don't want anyone to like question this. Like like no. A movie comes no, out. I'm just saying I'm tired of that argument. Like, I, I really am. Like, I hear it all the time from, like, you know, movies that are an, an hour and 45. I'm like, oh, that's awfully close to two hours. It should really be 90 minutes or something like that. Like, what? I, I think that's so dumb. Like, movies are the, the length that they are. And, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, if there really is a point where you're like, I'm so bored then yeah, sure. That probably could have been removed or condensed somehow. Like maybe it was just poorly written in that spot or something like this. But like so much of this movie is about building the world of Pandora and like being in it. And like, especially when you watch it in 3d where you are like really immersed in this beautiful location and like, uh, even all the connections to the first film of like, where do we find the tree that everybody connects to? Oh, it's still in here, but it's in this uh, this other part because it's it's not the same as the forest. Oh, okay, but you're, you're you're moving back on it. Just like uh, just to stick on this talking point though, because I'm not done talking about this. I I think t- criticizing if a movie's too indulgent and the pacing suffers from it is a valid criticism. And I don't think I'm not going to say here. That's not what other people say, though. Well, yeah, but you're complaining about just generally. But I'm saying, like, I'm trying to be objective and point out things that I think could be classed as a flaw and things that could maybe tighten the film up. I, I think that's completely fine and valid, and it's just it's a, it's absolutely something that should be critiqued in a movie. And uh, movies in general are probably a bit too long these days. Like, uh, everything is just kind of you know, like bloat is an issue. 
bloat is absolutely an issue in movies. I'm not saying it's that bad here because I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, like I'm talking about a few, like a few minutes that could be trimmed of maybe just a, th- a couple things. Was okay, you've repeated this kind of moment a little bit too many now. That's it. Minor thing. Did um, it really bother you though when you were watching it? Well, I felt that yeah, I felt the pacing. I felt the runtime. Because I mean, honestly, I went to the, when I went to the theater. Like my theater was packed. I mean, I did go to an IMAX, so like in his opening weekend. So of course it was going to be, but. And the, the IMAX that I went to is kind of an older one. So like the seats are, the, the lanes are super narrow and really, really long. So if you need to get up to use the bathroom, I was expecting to have to like stand up to let people out constantly. I didn't see anybody get up. Nobody like left their seat to go use the bathroom. Like everybody was like, I don't want to move. And I was so surprised by that because, you know, the movie's in water. Surely, if you drink too oh. much, you'll have to get up to use the bathroom. I mean, I, I'll, go, I'll go to the bathroom in any movie. I will hold it for any movie I see. And I was bursting for a yeah, piss. But, for two hours <laughs> of this movie, I was bursting for a piss. I was in pain at the end of this movie. So well, You didn't properly prepare. <laughs> well, maybe I didn't. But, but also, like, yeah, that's like you never thought, okay, this is a bathroom break moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up. No, but I don't, just no, looking no, at no, pretty no. stuff. But I don't think about that in any movie, especially when I know I'm going to talk about it and review it. Like, I'm not missing a scene. Like, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> but that's my that's the way my mind works. So to me, it's not weird that no one got up. I would never go to the bathroom during a movie. And I know that sounds insane to some people, but I will not miss it. If I go to a bathroom for, for to the bathroom during a movie it means that my opinion of the, like i've already given up I, I i already don't like the movie if i go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah but a packed house for you know uh, full of people who aren't reviewing movies oh sure least, i assume that is an assumption but <laughs> i assume so <laughs> nobody i didn't see anybody get up i never had to like adjust you know my legs so someone can squeeze by or anything the whole film well that's for yeah, but like <laughs> I don't think you can use that as just a, a gauge of like that doesn't mean that the movie couldn't be trimmed down a little bit like like they can still they, everyone can still be into the movie and love pretty much everything it's doing but I agree ah oh, it could have maybe been like five ten minutes short if you know there's a few things that could have been tightened up five, I think that's so dumb <laughs> well you can laugh at me all 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 you want I think this is a fair thing to to talk about and is it, it, it and it's fair to say that there's a couple of moments where I feel like, okay, we've, we've, we've had them stop and stare at some magical looking things maybe a few too many times. It's time to sort of move on with the plot, right? This wasn't even meant to be a big deal, but you're fighting me so hard on it. It's making it sound like I am like wanting to rip it apart, and I don't. Well, then let's move on. <laughs> this is your fault. It no, was it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a, it was like a minor thing. It was just, it was like, yeah, I could probably trip a few minutes. And then that turned into, like... I don't know. Sometimes I get accused of of not wanting to give in when I love something too much, and I feel like you're really guilty of it right now. <laughs> you That's have not got how the, I'm reading this. You've at got all. the big Pandora-shaped <laughs> rose-tinted 3D glasses on. <laughs> Everything's perfect. I'm not allowed to criticize anything. That's what I'm feeling right now. Well, you would be incorrect. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Because you cannot let a point go by without defending you know something to the win that's all you care about is the win <laughs> now you're movie that. fighting me <laughs> what what are you, what you talking about <laughs> uh nothing i'm ready to move on I, I didn't i didn't mind the length i knew going in it was going to be a long run and i just was into every minute of the film so i just appreciate 
I appreciated getting more of Pandora um, straight to my veins. Thank you. That's all fair. There was nothing you said there that was a problem. You, you poo-pooed what I said before I defended my stance. Stop fighting me. <laughs> I'm not fighting you. I'm, I'm You're just... still fighting me. <laughs> I'm fighting you because you said I'm fighting you, so now I'm fighting you to say that I'm not fighting you. Can we please move on? This makes complete sense. <laughs> the logic tracks. <laughs> just can't help yourself. You're driving me insane. <laughs> the movie's really good. I thought... <laughs> The movie's really good. That's, that, that does come up occasionally, though, where I, I like I really like a movie, but I'm still going to critique it. I'm still going to say this is what doesn't work out. This is what could be improved. Because most movies do have things that could be improved. Mm. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> that's not me shitting on it. And that's not me like taking anything away from the good things that it has. I know. <laughs> well, you always seem to get upset when I do it with a movie that you really like. I do really like this movie, yeah. Come on. But I also think it's just kind of petty. <laughs> but the movie's three hours and 24 minutes. It should really be three hours and 20. <laughs> <sighs> there is nothing petty about this. <laughs> I can be petty. agrees with me. I can be petty. Don't, Trump, believe you and me. I know I can be petty. I can be petty when I'm in the mood to be petty. <laughs> but that critique is not petty. <laughs> That critique is a perfectly valid critique. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Don't you tell me when I'm being petty. I'll tell you when I'm being petty. All right, all right. <laughs> you feel good? Do you feel better about yourself now? You feel like... You feel, you feel better? You feel good? I feel all right. Is it spoiler time yet? <laughs> I, think, I think we're about to get the spoilers yet. <laughs> um... Ah, oh, dear. Okay. Okay. Full spoilers for Avatar Way of the Water. You have been warned. Uh, we shall we shall get into things. Buckle up. All right. You're not in Kansas anymore. He said that again. I want everyone to know that before Tara saw the movie, I, I referenced the, you're not in Kansas anymore, you're on Pandora. And she sort of went, huh? What? What are you talking about? Was it the Voz? And I'm like, we watched the movie last week. Don't you remember the line of dialogue? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad I did because I knew he was going to do it again. So now, now, now when they said it again, you were like, aha! That's a, that's a callback. It's almost the same speech, actually. It is, yeah. He's, he's giving a speech to, you know, obviously now he is uh, an avatar himself, as are all of his troops, because they got the, the bald guy was back as well. I recognized because he was bald and his avatar was bald. So it was really obvious. Yeah. Except for the braid. Except for the braid, because well, he needs can't, that. Can't be bald there. Because that, that's his connector. That's his USB connector. He needs that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Very turns good. out uh, is a sort of uh, they had a plan in place that in case they all die, they all sort of like uploaded their their minds, their memories to a copy uh, as they're growing their avatar back on Earth, and so you know. Quaritch is dead. Like, the, the human is dead. But this is a copy of him that was made just before the mission that he died in in Avatar. So it's a really interesting element where he's back, and it's still him, and he's got all the same personality and memories, but he doesn't actually know how he died. So part of that early part of the, the stuff in the film is, like, him kind of, like, going to the, the scene of the death and, like, seeing his skull and, you know, crushing it and all that stuff. So 
yeah, that, that's what I'm starting on is is Quaritch and how how he returns. What do you think of his like development in the film and all that? I actually find him to be uh, probably the most interesting character uh, as far as like um, you know what it means for him to become the thing that he hated so much and like what it means after the movie also like what it means going into the next one like i don't want to jump straight to the end or anything but like but you're gonna do it anyway (laughs) well there's you know you want to talk about the the quaritch and like i i do i like when they explain how you know he's back in the movie i'm like okay whatever let's just get into it (laughs) you know like it's (laughs) here's the thing that sets up how they're there like would Quaritch even agree to this after the events of the first, like while watching the first movie or like he's kind of hates these guys and he kind of doesn't understand the whole, you know, people becoming an avatar of Navi so that they can incorporate. Like he, he seems to have like a, a negative opinion about well, that. So I, why, I, would I, he even agree to something like well, this? No, but, I, I can answer that because in the little video he leaves for himself, he clearly doesn't think he's going to die. He, like he, he's too, he's too, he's too arrogant. He, th- he thinks that no, I'm not going to die today. And then, then his buddy's like, hurrah! Yeah. <laughs> and we get Giovanni Ribisi back for a moment too. For just yeah, for a brief fleeting <laughs> moment, Giovanni Ribisi is just there in the background in the, in the video footage. Yeah, that's, which honestly that's funny to see him is almo- actually the, the theater laughed when yeah. when he showed up. Which is almost as much screen time as Norm gets because Norm's just like in the background of a video. He sees Avatar a couple of times, but like he's barely there. Like he's like yeah. such a small fragment of this movie at this point. It's kind of, I was like, I almost felt sorry for. Him. I was like, oh damn, your part got cut down significantly from the first one. Yeah. Um, I, I actually kind of forgot about him until he shows up midway through and I'm like, and then it started made me wonder like, Oh, so what are they doing? Like, what is Norm doing then? Is he working with the humans or is he like, uh, still in the forest area, just protecting the Navi there or I like, actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, him and the other ones who left stayed behind, I assume are just still in their own little mini base, uh, that are friendly with the Navi, but yeah, yeah but that's so. where the, uh, that's where, um, you know, the hunting ground is for when the, the what do they call them like the sky people come back so <laughs> but I don't know, it, it I don't know. like maybe they'll get into I it, get but... to it. Anyway, so Quaritch, um i think it's a really interesting kind of opening to his character where he doesn't know exactly how he died and he kind of has to like learn that it was natiri who killed him and that's kind of like a sort of driving force obviously he wants to kill jake he blames jake but then finds out oh wait these arrows that are in my body that like the killing blow wasn't him the killing blow was her and that, that's a bit of a driving force, and obviously this discovering that Jake and Natiri have kids, and that he's immediately willing to use them. Uh, we can't really talk about Quaritch as a character without mentioning that, you know, the the one new human character that we really have in this film, Spider, who was a baby who was left behind when the humans all went back to Earth because you can't put a baby in cryosleep, which is an interesting little tidbit to, to mm-hmm. know about this world. Um, and he actually has grown up so much with the Navi and with Jake's kids that he loves spending time with them, and sort of acts more like a like an Avi in, t- in terms of personality. Obviously, he's still Adora a human. Is his home. That's yeah. all he's known. Yeah, he still, he still obviously breeds like a human and all that and everything else. But you know, he's he's got like you know the paint on. He's he's kind of got a, sort of a Tarzan kind of like vibe as he's running around in his his little uh, leotard thing. His loincloth. And <laughs> yeah, his loincloth. Yeah. Uh, and but quite early on in the film, though, they make it quite clear that like he's. Quaritch's son like this this was his kid and it's like okay okay so we're setting up some things here and one of the things that also sets up early on when Jake's like explaining like the status quo 
is that we see just a brief glimpse of Natiri being kind of like, oh, he shouldn't be with our children. He should be with his own kind. Which, I'm like, that's kind of rich coming from you, Natiri. Your husband was a human <laughs> who, who transitioned yeah, over. I thought that too. I was like, what? Like, I, I guess she just really hates humans and she just doesn't see so much time has gone by that she doesn't see jake that way anymore even though she did do the whole i see you thing and it was like my favorite part of the last yeah movie yeah when she's holding well, I, I his do, frail human body i do have some thoughts on that but i want to stick to quarries though but I, I do have a, maybe an idea of of that well okay i'll just i'll just say that so what part of the film is it's going through is that all of their kids have like uh five fingers in each hand like a human and that's weird because uh, the Navi only have three in a thumb, right? They, they don't have... Which I didn't really notice. No, did I? I, I never <laughs> I noticed that. this movie. <laughs> and then they mentioned it, I went, oh yeah, so they do. Oh, has uh, that always been that way? <laughs> uh, I guess it has. Uh, so they're constantly kind of like picked on and told they're freaks for being different. And I think, my, my, if, my, if I'm speculating here or reading the character, I would say that maybe because her children are already different and stand, stand out from the others, she's almost like her... You know, what do I say, racism, but her, uh, like, she's almost, like, turned that side of her up more to try and compensate and say, no, we are Navi, we are part of this tribe, we are, there's nothing strange about us, we are fully 100% Navi. It's almost she's trying to, like, prove, not even prove to her, because I think her tribe is fine with it. I mean, obviously, the, the new tribe they go to are, are all act a bit differently because they don't know them very well, but... It feels like she's almost trying to compensate because she thinks that they're inherently different. When I think, you know, part of the, the, the message of any movie like this, and I think in the long run of the whole series, will be that, no, differences won't make us strong. And I think it's especially important that in this film that the kids, and we'll get into this properly later, uh, like, there's a lot of, like, potentially mixed relationships then coming from the kids where, again, it will be, you know... One of the one of our tree people, or one of our tree navi, I should say, with one of these water navi, and then you've got you know the daughter's kind of a spider, seemingly that feels like it's maybe setting up a thing. So I think this idea of like diversifying mixing of cultures is actually a good thing overall, but it's something that even the Tiri and a lot of the navi aren't like struggle with. Still, yeah, 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 they're not into it necessarily yet. Um, well, I so. mean, I think that maybe the more obvious thing anyway is that he's Quaritch's kid. And it's not, it doesn't seem to be a secret. And obviously, uh, uh, Nutiri yeah. does hate Quaritch. That's, that's so. true, that's true. Um, I, I think, yeah, that could be part of it. I, I, I think I like the the, the idea uh, of her comp overcompensating, though, just because it, it feels like it means more to the rest of the film, in that case, because it ties into her kids and it ties into, like, how the rest of her people see her. And that's something that she, like, deals with. It, it adds some depth to her character in this film that, you know, like... She is kind of a relatively background character until, you know, the big final act where everything kind of comes together and, like, she gets more involved. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, Spider being Quaritch's kid, uh, you know, quite early on, they actually managed to, like, you know, kidnap him. They actually kid they try to kidnap a lot of the kids, but they, they get away. Uh, but Spider gets left behind, unfortunately. And I was really curious what they were going to do with the Spider character. I was like, well, are they going to do this thing where he does convert because he bonds with his dad? Um, which felt like a really obvious route to go down. Um, I kind of appreciated, though, that ultimately they did this thing where because Quaritch at one point in the film, despite the fact that he says he doesn't care about Spider or if he dies, he does actually end up relenting in a way that's very out of character for him to save his life. And it's just enough that when Spider's given this choice late in the film where Quaritch is left for dead and he's going to drown, you know, it's the one F-bomb. It's just your one F-bomb in the PG-13 where he's like, you know, if I can't leave him behind, and he goes and saves him. And I thought, oh, maybe he's going to stay with him now, but I actually think it's far more interesting that he saved him and then immediately went back to 
you know, Jake's family. He immediately goes back to Jake's family and uh, Jake embraces him and uh, repeats the line, you know, a son for a son, but not not a death for a death, but, uh, you know, you know, we'll take you in now. As they, like, I mean, we, they kind of already took him in anyway, but like, we're going to officially take you in as a son now because, yeah. you know. Um, Although he and Natiri probably have some things to work out. Oh, probably. <laughs> well, Natiri did try to kill him. Uh, you know, that, I mean, that's the moment, well, right? she threatened to, and yeah. I, I, I believed her. I, I, um, so did I, yeah. That, that's the moment where Quaridge, like, sort of, like, relents and, like, gives up their daughters is because Natiri's threatening Spider. And... I have to imagine the chemistry between Spider and Natiri in the next movie is going to be a bit awkward because even if he understands why she did it, like, you were willing to slip my throat. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, that, that's, that, that's some trauma there. Well, I mean, since you've already kind of gone to the end of the movie, I'd like to talk about my what, what I find really intriguing about Quaritch's character because this whole thing has been about revenge for him. Like, uh, once, once he, you know, sees that he's blue and then he knows how he died, um, it it is, he's just had this tunnel vision of, of vindication, (laughs) you know, trying to, trying to, trying to kill who killed him, um, and not accepting himself as like an, as, you know, a, a Navi, but as just like, I'm just an extension of who I was. And then who I was, was rageful and, um, vengeful. And uh, which made him a great colonel. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now that that revenge plot has, you know, seemingly ended, what does he do now? Because he is just, he is a, an avatar for Navi. So what it, what does this mean? Like, it, it would have, I'm very curious about what they do with this character uh, going forward. Because I, I find that it might be like, you know, the heart of another film is some sort of... Uh, redemption. Redemption for him. Yeah. I, I think it goes two ways. I think it goes two... Either one, what you just said, which is the... He kind of becomes an anti-hero or a redemptive or whatever. And maybe part of that is because he's forced to live this. Because I don't think... Even though he's an avatar in this, he's still with the humans and he'll still be with the humans next film, I assume, as well. I don't think he's really had time to actually, like... Like, this is my life now. You have to stop and reflect and be like, this is what I yeah. am now, you know? He was, like, kind of the Jake Sully in this, you know, where he had to, like, quickly learn how to do stuff. But which he only I, did it with one purpose, which was to get yeah, like, just the tools he needed to get revenge. He's still him. In fact, one of my the scenes that I liked with him the most is, the, like, we see them climbing up to where all the, the dragony things are, and he's going to, like, knock out one of the things with a dart, and then Spider kind of mocks him, and he's like, wait, did Jake Sully do this the hard way? Yeah. And he's like, oh... I can't have him, have him with a bigger deck. Here, take my gun. I'm going to go do this like the way Jake Sully did it. He punches it. It's so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, pun- he punches it in the face. There's a couple of great laughs in this, and that yeah. was one of them. Um, basically, I mean, I wanted, you know, this, this was, to me, this was the equivalent of him kicking down the door and, like, firing his gun at the, the jet in the last movie. <laughs> yeah. Was him going up and saying, no, I'm doing this the hard way because Jake did it, and then punching the dragon in the face. Yeah, they that... try to play it off like he fell and he might have died or whatever. Like, like nobody buys it. Yeah, course. no one's like, buying the, that. The audience doesn't buy it. We're no. just waiting for him to uh, rise back up. But and, and that was one of the moments where I thought, oh, maybe Spider's going to start to like his dad a little bit because he's seeing, oh, he's kind of... He's... <laughs> Until he punches the, the <laughs> banshee, though. <laughs> Well, no, it's after he punches him that where it's like he's impressed that, oh, he, he's, okay, he's, yeah, he still did right, this. Right. He still, like, tamed the beast. And it was, it was a different way than the Navi do it, obviously, but... Uh, <laughs> <It's> so brutal, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was the tough love approach, as, as it were. Um, <laughs> I, I think, um, like, I, I think there's a lot of potential. I think the other way it could go, because I said those two ways, I think it could go. I think the other way it could go 
and I think part of this is what I was feeling from the rest of this movie is that it's really the kids movie and a big part of this is going to be transitioning to the kids as the main characters I could see both Jake and uh, and Quaritch uh, dying at like, the end of the third movie I could see them killing each other uh, and like the, the kids being the main characters after that I could really see Honestly, that happening. I, I thought either Natiri or Jake was going to die in this one. Like mm. I, I, I would have put money on one of the parents is not making it out of this movie. I, I think, I think part of it as well. So obviously this is the complete flip of that other suggestion because this would not be a redemptive thing. This would be something with their hate for each other gets to a point where they just both die. Like, you know, like Jake and, and Quaritch will take each other out and that's like your big moment at the end of the third movie. Because... The rumors, and I think, I don't know if it's outright been spoiled, but I think everyone's assumption is that Avatar 4 probably is going to be straight up war with Earth. And that we might even, like, bring the fight into Earth, right? Or something like that. I want to say it was Cameron who said something yeah. about that, yeah. Uh, and honestly, given the way that this ends, where Jake's saying, no, we have to, like, you know, take the fight. To, like, the, the, now, now that the Earth's come back bigger and stronger, they've got the city they're building now in Pandora. And he's saying, the, the, the final call of this movie is him saying, we're getting rid of them. We're going to like take. We're going to make this a war. Like it, it stands to reason that then the next one after that would be. Oh, the war is going to become like it's like the planets are at war with each other now. Just entirely. It's not just on Pandora anymore. And like that could that could be you know that could be uh, that's exciting. It's interesting. It feels like it's getting bigger in scope <laughs> each time. You know. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much time would have to pass though. I mean, I I think we're gonna see the kids grow up. So sure. right. I don't. Adults. I don't think that too much time will pass between two and three, though. I feel like two and three might be quite well, they've close already together. Been shot, and I think they had the same cast. So unless yeah. they can age them digitally, <laughs> well, you say and that, but voices. <laughs> you say that, but Sigourney Weaver's playing a teenager in this. <laughs> that is the one thing that um, would occasionally take me out of the movie. Honestly, it's just because just hearing her voice come out mm. of this like teenager and even though she does a really great job of like keeping up with them and like when she doesn't speak i totally buy that this is just her face it's the voice yeah but the voice comes in and, and she does sound older than the the rest of them and i you know because of how her character came to be which is still kind of a mystery but we can kind of like have some theories about you know, it i, I the, think that it's okay that she has that voice but it still reminds me of like oh that's a much oh, yeah, older I agree. teenager <laughs> you know I, no, I actually get what you're saying there and there's maybe kind of like a mythology reason why it makes sense that she has kind of like a a wiser voice i i, I get what you're saying there one of the complaints i saw from early reviews before i saw the film is that there i, I just saw a, a casual like reference to oh there's an immaculate conception that's just kind of brushed past now that i've seen the movie <laughs> I don't think it's brushed past at all. I actually think it's quite obvious what's happening here. I don't think it's yeah. that complicated. Obviously, they're going to like say it more outright, I assume, in the next movie or whatever. But clearly, um, so so Sigourney Weaver's avatar from the first movie, they tried to transfer her you know, soul or whatever you want to call it into the avatar. It didn't work because she was dying and it was too late, and that's fine. But she was but connected it, to yeah. she was connected to Awa to to keep her though right? because like she describes going through the tunnel and she says, "I see Awa, I see her. She's real." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So she she's with like Awa, but I don't think that she's in her daughter, quote unquote. I think her daughter is an avatar, literally an avatar for Awa. I think mm. Awa. It was the father because they keep saying in the movie, "Who's the father?" I think it was the father. It yeah. oh, knocked yeah. her up. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a we want to. They they couldn't save her, but they it's kind of like what Quaritch did, you know, like he just downloaded his consciousness and Awa, like I'm going to use this to make 
you know, what I've saved of you to make a new version of you, but also with me in there too. And yes, I, I agreed. I think she is part Awa and part Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the Awa part especially is important because obviously she seems to have a connection with the life around her in a way that no one else does. And that's, I think that's the, the big hint. Like this is Awa in avatar form. Uh, and it makes sense to an extent if Awa is this this being of sorts, this mother nature of the planet, if humans can have an avatar to be a Navi, then why can't Awa? So, you know, like, it, it <laughs> does make sense. It's fair because Awa already has, like, connections to everybody that she also has to have an avatar to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 in saying that, though, I do think that uh, 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 Kiri, there's her name, uh, I think Kiri is her own person, though, with her own personality. I don't think she, I don't think she's literally just like in disguise. Like I think she is her own person growing up. She's still yeah. She's not Zeus or yeah. something like just pretending to be. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So that, this is going to be her understanding who she is and her calling and and stuff like that. Is as you know, uh, her, her, her she grows up and the story goes on. I assume, but uh, yeah. So obviously, like everyone was expecting big things from her because. Uh, this was like okay Sigourney Weaver's back and she's playing a teenager you know what is this but it does somewhat make sense in the context now if you've seen the movie that uh, she is kind of her daughter uh so yeah okay we'll, we'll roll with it uh but I guess that kind of leads us on to the kids uh in general and talking about them because we have the oldest son Anatayim and then the younger son uh, Loak and both of these are like you know in their like mid to late teens they're kind of the older two of the group although I, I guess so going to be, I mean, Kiri might be a similar age to one of them, to be honest. She's probably around the same as... Yeah, I thought they said it was something like 14. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Uh, and then you've got the youngest daughter, uh, which is Took, who's like the, uh, the, the wide-eyed, you know, yeah. baby of the group. Yeah, adorable. Like the most adorable thing you've ever seen. Uh, uh, there, there is a moment later on where like there's a couple of times where some of the kids get like tied up to railings and she she's the only one that gets tied up twice and she's like i can't believe i'm tied up again that was honestly i got a good chuckle out of that um yeah she's super cute all of her lines are just like i'm also here and you're like oh, they, they just feel like real kids you know yeah i mean there was a moment earlier on the film where i thought and it, it turned out to be kind of true but i thought that seems like a lot of kids. I don't think all of them are surviving. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that would happen in a later film. I I didn't expect it to happen. <clears throat> excuse me, in this one. Honestly, like, I thought the whole movie that Natiri was going to go. Like, she was going to go uh... protecting her kids. And then there's a moment in the third act. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Where, um, where I thought, okay, no, it's Jake. Jake's going. <laughs> Jake's doing. Jake's doing a thing where he's he's definitely going to be the one who goes. Um, but. And that was still, was that still, was that after one of the kids goes? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I will say on the kids is that, like, I, when I made that sort of thought at the start of the movie, because cause at first I was like, okay, how am I going to, because obviously right away, you've got these, like, blue life forms, right? It takes a little bit longer just to sort of like get their faces in your head so that you're recognizing them more, you know. They, they do, they do, there's some little smart things they do where, um, you know, Loax like hair's always kind of tied back versus his brother, who's got you know the more longer I, hair. I honestly, I did have a hard time yeah. just like going between the two of them. Yeah, like I, I wasn't quite sure which one I was looking at. Yeah, early on it was an issue. It sort of cleared up as the movie went on, though, and their personalities became more obvious yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. So it naturally cleared up, but um, 
once I you know, once we got deep into the film and it was like clear who we were focusing on more, the the one who dies, which is Nateum, like I kind of like if one of these kids is dying, it's him because oh yeah 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 because it feels like we don't need the two like I think the two sisters have very different roles and they fit different like you know parts of the the story. We're definitely focusing on Loak a lot more. He's got the story. He's got the heart. He has this bond with this whale creature that we'll get into. And he's, he's, you know, he's the one that we're really developing here. And the older brother, his primarily characteristic is that he steps in to defend his little brother whenever, you know, and even from his father when he's in trouble. And he's like, sorry, father, it's my fault. I should have, you know, I'm the bigger brother. I should have taken. And he's like, stop sticking up for this knucklehead. Get out of my way. I'm giving him a bit of trouble. He's a shithead. Come on. Uh, so, like... It just, it felt, it just, it, like, if anything, like, if there's a critique you want to give here is that maybe it's a little too telegraphed which one is the important one and which one is definitely dying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, no, that... yeah, I, I knew right away, too. Yeah. Or, I mean, when, once it became clear because of the characteristics of them, mm. like, okay, yeah, he's probably going to be the one who dies. Yeah. Although I still had money on a parent instead. I, th- I think it's really saying something about this world in the second movie. Like, how many franchises would you go into the second movie and the two main characters being Jake and Natiri, would you go in and really believe that one of them could die? And even earlier in this review, I said I'm convinced that Jake is probably dying in the third one or maybe the fourth. Like, I don't think Jake makes it to the end. And for any other franchise saying, oh, the main character from the first movie it'll die in the third or fourth and that's not the end of the story would sound like a crazy thing and maybe it's partly because no one loves jake quite as much as you love a i don't know an indiana jones or you love a you know to take your pick um but i I do think it's interesting that i think the kids are better characters i like them more (laughs) well they have a lot more personality than just like i used to be a jarhead and now i'm a father yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's not that i dislike the the, the parents because i like natiri more than jake and that was true in the first movie i think she's more Uh, interested in this because i think zoe saldana just kills it in this movie oh she's oh yeah she's great yeah like she's so good she does so much all the emotions that i had are because of her acting you know yeah, she does so much with relatively little for the first two thirds, and then she gets a you know she gets a good number of big moments in the the last chunk. But yeah. like Natiri, I think is a more complex character in this film. I think don't get me wrong, I think Jake is more complex this time than last, but it's still the most one note of the main characters because it's you know I need to protect my family, so I'm going to protect my family. It's all about family. It's like he's been watching too many Fast and the Furious movies. He keeps talking about family. Hilarious. <laughs> that was a. Pop culture reference that's in the zeitgeist right now, just because you don't care, doesn't mean it wasn't a valid reference. Look, I've listened to quite a few reviews, and like everyone has made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> non spoiler reviews, that's what yeah. I would have listened to. Yeah, you, you got to take the. I was Yoast. really excited getting a, getting Avatar, okay? I watched a lot of reviews, <laughs> a lot of interviews. I was pumped up. Fine, I'll I'll take it one step further. You you have to take the ocean one mile at a time. Is that, is that the quote? Is that the quote from Fast and the Furious? You take um, you take the roads. You I take life know. one mile at a time. I don't know something like that. Anyway, I was trying to convert it into water. Whatever doesn't matter. Nautical <laughs> mile though. Is what you Nautical do. miles. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but no, I I think the kids are. You know, I think the theory is more developed and like her reaction to Spider. Her willing to sacrifice him. Um, her, her, even the idea that when like Jake says, "Look, Quaritch is hunting us because he, he wants me and you, so we're actually a danger to the rest of the tribe by staying with them. So we should leave." 
uh, to make them safer. Like, Nateri's been asked to leave her world, which, again, yeah. like, it's kind of an interesting plot point for her character because she's, she's a, a fighter, too, yeah. It's... Well, no, not just that, but she, you know, she's crying about it. She doesn't want to do it. And he has to really convince her that this is what's safer for the tribe and their family. And the entire first movie is about Jake leaving his people <laughs> and joining her people. And I'm not saying she's been hypocritical because obviously she's not got the same background with her tribe that he did with the, with the humans, right? It's not the same thing. It's not the same at all. But I do think it's interesting thematically that she in this film is effectively doing something similar to what he did in the first movie. She's leaving her tribe and going with, yeah, another type of Navi, but they're, you know, th- this is like, I don't know, like me going to live in Australia or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a big ask, for yeah. sure. It, it's, it's... um. Yeah, it's a lot. And like she, you know, she knows that other tribes, you know, it's not easy to just join another tribe. And there is a lot of like headbutting involved and like they're always going to be outcast. And so she's coming from a place where, you know, she and Jake were the, the leaders of this tribe and like they were sworn mm-hmm. to protect this land. Like this was not just their, their, they're not just leaving their home, they're leaving like their, their stewardship you know, responsibility. So like this, this is a huge ask for her. And I think it says a lot that she does ultimately trust Jake and you know, trust his opinion. And, you know, yeah, this is the best thing in order to protect that land because they will destroy it if they think we're yeah. hiding there. And honestly, like, I think what's interesting uh, about this is that it, it retroactively strengthens the first movie thematically because not only is Natiri having to do this transition that Jake kind of had to do in the first film, he's kind of putting his whole family through it. And it really becomes this idea that the, the theme of Avatar, and I, I mean, it was there in the first one, but I think it's strengthened because of so many other examples of it in the second one, in both little and big ways, is the idea of someone leaving their culture or their people or their home and adopting a new one, either because they choose to or because they're forced to and the, the, the sake of courage uh, or you know whatever the reason is. But there's so many of these examples, uh, you know, leaving one tribe, going to the other tribe, uh, Courage becoming an avatar after being killed as a human. Um, Like, there's examples of it up and down the characters now at Mm -hmm. this point. And then there's hints of other characters maybe being teased or tempted by it as well. And even the idea of Spider, who is someone who has just been grown into, like, wanting to be in this other world uh, from the get-go. Like, the only happy ending for him, I can imagine, is that they build him an avatar so he can just switch you know so he doesn't have to wear the mask you, you could almost compare him to a like a trans like character in the sense that he he feels like he belongs with the navi but like his body just isn't that at least not yet maybe if they build him an avatar at some point like they can but can they though i don't know like they have some equipment there but i don't know if they have cloning equipment there oh yeah i mean can their specific little group do it i'd probably not well but... i mean maybe with the whole like he and Sigourney Weaver seem to be having a thing if maybe Awa can do something for him in the next, you know, few films. Oh, yeah. They'd have to grow him like an avatar body, though, for, for them to do that. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's ways we just haven't thought of yet. Oh, I remember those ways we've not thought of yet. I mean, certainly the humans uh, in general can do it. It's just a case of, like, do they get into a position where they can... They have the power to like ask for that. Maybe or... that's why they gotta go to Earth. In, uh, <laughs> it's all for Spider. Spider. It's all for Spider. Um, I really liked Spider's character in this, though. I thought he, 
at first I was like, what's the human doing like dressed up with stripey stuff and like from the trailers and, and posters and stuff like, I don't, am I going to like this character? I don't know. Like I immediately was just like, he doesn't belong. Um, which is, you know, wrong of me to think that, but I, I don't know. Like there was something about it where I thought, is he going to be the annoying character? And I, I actually really thought he was, um, again, like one of the, because so much is on the kids, you know, and then he's just another kid who is just uh, in this unfortunate circumstance where he can't, like he was born on a planet that he calls home, but like is torn between two worlds now because his avatar dad shows up. And how does he feel about that? Like seeing that he, his father, he's only ever seen as a, as a blue Navi and, you know, um, does that complicate things for him internally? Like that, is he... that, that's an interesting point. Yeah, like like what he kind of feels that he wants is something that his father now has that he didn't ask for. And hates. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of like mixed feelings on yeah from him on that. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to explore there. It's good yeah. thing we got more movies coming up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the third one's guaranteed, and I think four and five will happen. I'm not worried about it. But, um, so. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, there's a lot of interesting, like, dynamics at play with some of these character breakdowns. I, I think it's a bit more complex than people maybe give it credit for, and I think that's why I like sitting down and talking about it, like, as in-depth as we do, because I like getting to this nitty-gritty stuff where, yeah, there there are el- elements here where the characters are kind of bouncing off each other in thematic ways that kind of enhance the stories, and, you know, th- this idea that ultimately in any story that sort of deals with these themes is, like, yeah, the, the, like it's easy now with these first two movies for the most part to just look at the humans and go, the humans are the bad guys. But one of the things that was th- I was thinking of actually when I was watching this is like, we don't have we don't have any clue right now what's going on on Earth. We, you know, obviously the only things we hear are from this, you know, military group and whatever people they bring with them uh, to like colonize and take over part of this planet. And all I could think was like, what if back on Earth, what if there's like a like not a civil war but what if there's like a, an outspoken support for pandora like would there be enough people who would see what this is is wrong and like because i think it's easy to look at the humans as the villains but i think part of the story is ultimately going to be that no humans can be good or bad and there are good humans and maybe natiri and some of the the navi seeing examples of other good humans like i i, I imagine the scenario where maybe they're like awestruck that humans are willing to fight for them or something and not humans like jake who wants to become one of them but are just fighting for them because it's the right thing to do because they don't agree with the the colonization of pandora and there's like because there's a hint in this movie that like yeah pandora is like the only planet we can kind of colonize because it's you know it's close enough atmosphere wise that we can we can make it work and we see that they're building a city they've got these spider bot things that can put a building up in like six days which is pretty good going that's good time you know (laughs) quick quick uh quick building uh so no, I was thinking about this as much. I think that that ties into the, these ideas of like you know later on when we get introduced to the uh, the whaler uh, like crew and you've got uh, Jermaine Clement who is clearly conflicted by what like this all is, even though he clearly is a scientist, he likes the you know the exploration and study of it, but he he, he does feel conflicted about how they have to do it and like the purpose yeah. of why they do it. Which actually, I, I've got one critique. One one thing that made me roll my eyes that I would like to get out of this juncture since I've brought this stuff up. Okay. All right. I like the sentiment of it. I like the sentiment of, like, humans doing something awful because there's this substance that can make human aging stop, right? But I have to say, 
having a character hold up a substance to say, this is the reason why we're here, this is the pain for all the bills again, and giving it a name made me roll my eyes because it's just... Well, the name is kind of similar to Ambergris, which is the yeah. thing that used to be hunt- whales would be hunted for. Yeah, well, and that, it, yeah, that, go this, this is much better than Unobtainium. Unobtainium is the one that sounded stupid. This one actually has more of a purpose because everything it does with the whaling stuff and the messaging about that is really strong and has more of a, like, a you know, this is more of a, like, sure, the unobtaining stood for, like, oil or whatever you wanted to, like, you know, swap it in for in the real world. But this feels a lot more like, okay, we're talking about this practice that we, we don't want and the idea of, like, hunting animals just to, like, our own, you know, greed to want to live forever <laughs> kind of thing. Um like or that, just sell it to people know. who want to live forever, right? Just yeah. people who, yeah. Um, I actually, I really like the introduction of of uh, Jermaine Clement's character in this because it reminded me of when I was going to college. I have a degree in environmental science, which is a really depressing like <laughs> um, major because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't you don't just learn about like geology. You got to learn about mining and runoff and acid rain and pollution and all this other stuff you know like it's it's a really it's like god like everything that we do to the planet is awful like we are we are awful and but like but when you have a degree in a in that kind of field like if you get a geology degree and you learn about all this terrible stuff who who do you work for after you work for like oil companies so you already have this like this conflict this internal conflict Uh. or like i i i got into this field because i love this stuff but the only thing i can do because of our you know society um if i want to make any kind of money i have to like work for the bad guys so that that was like a, a big thing in my in my mind when i was going through college like I don't want to work for that kind of company, but like, what kind of jobs do I get? And the, so, you know, luckily I don't do anything like that now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, um, cause I do have, you know, as much as I enjoy using electricity, uh, I do hope that that whole fission thing works out. <laughs> um, but that, that is a real conflict that a lot of, you know, scientists have, like they, you know, they get these you know, doctorates in all sorts of fields and then they get hired by, people who want to exploit it yeah. so i like that his character was there even if he didn't survive <laughs> didn't he uh, i don't know the whole the boat like flipped over so i don't know um the whaler guy definitely died and i just assumed everyone on the boat on oh i mean boat, the, the whaler but... guy got his arm cut off with a cable it was uh glorious it was, good scene. Yeah. It, was it was like <laughs> oh this is as far as we can push without getting our rating as we can go <laughs> Yeah, um, you get one F bomb and you get one dismembered limb. Yeah, uh, and he 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 had it coming though because he was just awful about it. Like, everything he did. Like he hate you oh, know the, yeah. the way he, he talked about whaling. The, yeah, the the worst of what we hate. You know, yeah. everybody hates poachers and everyone hates whaling. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, that that side of it, which we'll, I'll get into more when we talk about the plot outright, because I think we're still just going through the characters and talking about like uh, like their kind of arcs and journeys and. Um, yeah, so what I would say, though, it's interesting that Jake's kind of, like, putting his family through, uh, you know, not as extreme, but kind of something similar to what he went through, of, like, you know, he, maybe he's more ready to move to a different tribe and sort of, like, make a transition, because he already he did an even bigger one. Like, going from human to being the V was such yeah. an extreme change that... He ah. didn't have to do it as a teenager, though. <laughs> That's true. Well, hey, anyone who moved houses and had to, like, change schools when they were a kid will, ha- will relate to this at least a little bit, I think. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I related to Loak as the middle child. Yeah. Who, yeah. Had to make that transition to a new country <laughs> during middle school. <laughs> yeah, I did have to change schools once, but it was like after like the you know what, what you would call the first grade. So I don't really remember. It wasn't that. Yeah, big a deal. like my sister adapted to California life very qu- quickly, and yeah. like you would never know that she was born in Canada. Yes, except for just the odd rogue little a that comes out <laughs> when she's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can't it. get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, just, maybe it's because I'm thinking of Jermaine Clement, which is making me think of New Zealand, which is making me think of what we do in the shadows. But I'm thinking of Matt Berry trying to do an Arizona, like, or not even trying to do an Arizona accent. But I'm just, I'm imagining your sister trying Tucson, to, like... Tucson, Arizona. I'm imagining your sister trying to, like, convince everyone she's American by, like, saying something really, like, American, like, uh, like... Uh, pass me the Coca-Cola and, like, cheeseburger, eh? <laughs> but just, like, the A, the A just comes out at the end. <laughs> yeah. I think it's house is the big one. House and sorry. Those yes. are the ones that, those are the, the giveaways. <laughs> um... um. So yeah, no, I mean, I mean, Loak's um, obviously the the star of the show in many ways. He's the main character, I would argue. He's the one that the plot revolves around. Uh, I mean, not the whole plot, but he he's definitely the one as far as the kids go, and his stuff ends up tying in, and you know, because it's kind of this running theme where uh, there's a scene early on where uh, the Navi, because it's because it, we we get the introduction again of the humans coming back and we see the ships coming, but then it says a year later, so you know, we we jump ahead to when they're established a bit. And we see that Jake's leading these, like, raids on, like, their trains to uh, steal weapons. So, because we see that the Navi have got machine guns and, you know, other things like that. And it's like, oh, this is Jake. Yeah. yeah, this is Jake being tactical. <laughs> he knows they need these to fight. Because, uh, you know, they're good with bows and arrows, but ultimately they're not going to cut it, you know, once you get into, like, a, a real fight. Uh, so, he is doing all this and like the two brothers end up at the scene and they're not supposed to be there and they, they almost get hurt. It's this running thing throughout where Loak especially keeps getting himself into positions of like possible danger. Uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's kind of tricked by like the, 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 I'll, I'll say bullies, even though like, it seems like afterwards they kind of like see eye to eye a bit better when they relate and, you know, uh, Loak doesn't rat him out for the tricking him, but um, you know, they leave him out in this dangerous party. Almost gets eaten by. I was going to call this thing a whale, but then the actual whale showed up, and I was like, "Oh, that, okay, this is a whale." That other thing that's was more a, bit, of a shark. That's a I big guess, shark. Yeah. yeah, it's a big shark. <laughs> uh, and this whale. So it turns out this whale, uh, like species, are very intelligent, which they point out. Which again is also true of actual whales. They're quite smart, relatively speaking. Uh, Dolphins but, and yeah, yeah. but. They're very smart and like they're all kind of bonded to the uh, the sea and the V. Uh, they like they all kind of like bond and like, they they come in as a herd and catch up later on and it's like oh what have you done in your travels and they sort of yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you giggle when the subtitle came up for the whale the first time? Uh, a little bit. There's yeah, some, a little there's bit. some snickering. <laughs> yeah, actually on the subtitles, I really liked at the start of the film where Jake's like talking to us in English and we see subtitles for the, the V language and then he says, hey, I finally learned the language and now it may as well be in English and then it just fades to English. And it's this, and I've seen other movies do this occasionally where it's only in a different language with subtitles when there's other characters around speaking English, so it has to be different. But when it's mm-hmm. just the, the, uh, the Navi characters, we just hear it in English because that's how a comic book does it. it you know, a comic book will just do... Uh, this is there'll be a little asterisk. It'll just say translated from French or whatever it is. 
And it's like, oh, that's fine, yeah, because it's already in text, doesn't matter. So this is just doing it via audio. It's like, no, no, we'll just we'll do it in English. And it's like, no, they're not speaking English though. It's like we're just hearing English. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's the is, is it the Hunt for Red October or the submarine movie where yeah. they like zoom in on the mouth speaking Russian and then zoom out and it's and it's English. Yeah, that's a good example of it. I think what hurts that one though is that like. The accents are still like wild. Like they should still have the accents. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Connery's like, yes, I'm a Russian. <laughs> I'm a Soviet submarine commander. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's a great movie still. <laughs> um. So no, like, like uh, he bonds with him, and it's this idea that this whale's been outcast because they assume he he like he killed something, and uh, we actually get when when. You know, Loak goes in later on and connects his squiddlies up with him. Uh, he the squiggly. <laughs> the squigglies. Uh, we see that it was that this was just the whalers that attacked, and he was trying to like defend, and that's why he lost a fin because he's missing a fin, and everyone else. So again, you've got this theme of like them all saying, "No, this thing's an outcast." You know, it's very it's hard not to think of things like uh, you know, like a How to Train Your Dragon, where it's like they all don't like dragons. This dragon or this dragon. This whale was very toothless. Yes, very it's toothless. Very toothless backstory still. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's a very similar idea. It's, it's about them, like them jumping to conclusions and them with their prejudice, you know, and like learning. They have to learn equally that, like, yeah, like they can't assume things, and that you know, there's there's value in all life, even the ones that you don't recognize right away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that becomes one of these this this main trend of the movie. And uh, honestly, some of the biggest fist pump, pump, pumpy moments are when that whale like gets involved. Whale's my favorite character. The whale, the whale, obviously, it does the big like. I'll call it the free willy dive, except, of course, instead of going over the boat, he just lands on it because he's, you yes. know. <laughs> as soon as that happened, I went, oh, my God, I love free willy. And I love that they're doing this. <laughs> free willy was such an important movie to me when I was a kid. <laughs> um, you just needed the Michael Jackson song. <laughs> free, free, willy was, free willy was a really <laughs> awkward movie in the UK because willy means penis. So the, as a school kid, that title was just like we were all giggling. Yeah, I know. Uh, we were all same, giggling. Same everywhere else too, but yeah. it's still, a, it's still a great movie. Yeah. Uh, no, like uh, but honestly, the biggest moment though is like when like Loax having to save, and that, that was the other thing is that the kids are the ones saving their parents at the end. You know, yeah. that's that's what really made it feel like a transition to them being the more important, or at least equal characters, if not more important characters. It was that them having to save the parents. And, you know, it's like he's trying to get uh, Jake up to the water, you know, up to the surface, but he's like, he's, he's trying to hold his breath and he's just not quite doing it. And then the whale just comes in with a fin and like guides them up. It's like that, that was like one of those like that, you know, to compare it to another similar kind of moment. That was, you know, Hulk catching Iron Man at the end of the event. Yeah. That, that's what that moment was. I had, you know, I had a couple of moments where I got emotional because that's just who I am. But <laughs> the most emotional I got in the movie was Jake telling Loak. I see you. Oh yeah, that no. line means so much more because you know we just watched the first movie again, and I'm like, that is a really nice line to be like, I understand you. I, I you know, I, I know who you are. I agree. You know, it says a lot, but when he says it in this movie, I was just like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I agree <laughs> so much with that because that that like obviously they say it a few times in the first movie, and it sets up what it means to Dinavi to say that to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this movie, he's constantly butting heads with them, and even. There's a point in the middle where a couple of things he does with the whale 
we as the audience side with him because like, no this whale is a good character you're yeah. bonding with them and jake's been a bit of a dick father by like just dismissing what you're saying to him he's sort of, because you've made some mistakes in the past he's just sort of dismissing what you're saying now yeah, and we're no, siding you're with the, Loak. you're the, yeah. the problem kid like the yeah. one that we just have to deal with all the time because right. you're always making trouble so you're siding with Loak. so that moment at the end after the whale you know brings them up and he looks at him and he realizes wait a minute you've formed this bond with this whale you have helped save me you've helped save your your siblings uh not all of them obviously one of them one of them died but uh, which he kind of accuses them up for a moment yeah yeah or like at least put some responsibility on him for that yeah the, the line being you've done enough uh, is what you're talking about there um yeah. but you know and he says i see you that means so much more the end of this movie when he says that to his i mean don't worry it works it, it's great in the first movie when they say it to each other in the romantic way but this was like you know what I have been wrong as a father. I have been wrong, and I have I have not understood what you were doing. And in a weird way, like again, comparing it back to the first movie and his character's journey, is like this is him saying, "I was the quarriage to you because I didn't understand what you were going through, and I dismissed this connection you made with a different, you know, a different life form." Um, and that's on me. He doesn't say all this out loud. That's what he's saying when he says, "I see you." We get it though, right? Because yeah. it's so it's so well. <laughs> It's so well set up from yeah. the first film so people and even say, this one. Yeah, people are saying Cameron can't tell a story. Like, just piss off. Like, yeah, like, there's, there's, there's so much here. There's so much here. And some of it is in your they're face. Just, they just want to be contrarian, like, you know? Don't get me wrong. Like, the actual revenge plot is really straightforward. It is. It absolutely is. But that's okay because the character depth but, is yeah, there. Yeah, all the characters are just, you know, they're onions. <laughs> they're all layered. <laughs> they're all and, ogres. And they all make Tara cry. Oh, yeah, it's true. Especially yeah. when they get cut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, was an easy joke to make. I'm sorry. Actually, what, one moment with Loak I want to mention is when all the action is going on uh, and he's grabbed a gun, there's a moment where he actually does have to shoot a human. And there was a moment during this where I thought, if if, if uh, the older brother doesn't die, if, if Natium doesn't die, I was thinking, do you know, I could see Loak being like the villain in one of the sequels where maybe he goes down this path where he's willing to use violence and i don't necessarily think that by the end because his brother does die because uh, i was thinking there might be like a good and bad brother for like a movie and not not like a redemptive like a, i think he would come back around afterwards but i could have yeah. seen him being a villain for a future movie because the brother dies though and like you know he, he, you know his father sees him in the end and all that i was like okay no i think maybe that's that's dealt with now but maybe maybe more not so much a villain but like a cobra you know like yeah I want, yeah I, I want blood um <laughs> But the, the moment where he shoots the guy, though, I, I actually really liked it with a, just a quick little look after he does it. There's just a little moment of, like, he's never killed a human before. And yeah. that, that meant something that he just did that. Whether or not he regrets it later, whether or not uh, it's, like, the start of a it, thirst. It should be a big deal, though, Yeah, right? but it's a big deal, yeah. That, that is that, absolutely. Like, he feels something in that moment. And it's, like, a realization that he just murdered a, an intelligent being. Yeah, it doesn't go back to it because they do kind of go straight back into war. Yeah, yeah. But, the, you know, I could see that be something that comes up, or at least I I appreciate that it's there, that there is a reaction of, like, that wasn't easy, but, you yeah. know, uh, he has it's to like, a, kind of justify it for a moment. It's a seed, and it, it shows that he has empathy in some level. Like, that, that's mm -hmm. like it may be like they can talk a big game because, oh, the humans keep trying to kill us. We hate humans, so, yeah, of course I'd kill a human. But the second he actually does it, he's like, shit, I just killed someone. Like, you know, like, it does mean something. Yeah. Uh, and it's a big coming-of-age kind of moment. And obviously here you know uh because they, they go out to warn the whale because it's this this whale the main whale's getting targeted uh which we have to mention of course 
the equivalent, and it's not just the equivalent because it's the same part of the story. It's the equivalent as well. The music makes it the equivalent. Uh, is the whale being killed uh, in the in the herd? Uh, it's probably not a herd if it's if the whales, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it a herd still? It may still Maybe be a herd. Not. I don't know. But whatever. Regardless, uh, they they and it's the, it's the one that's bonded with the 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 wife, the lead wife, uh, Kate Winslet's character is the lead wife of the the water navy. Uh, it's her her personal pet whale, <laughs> not pet. You know what I mean. Uh, because and, sister. but what's really neat about that is that you see like a scene of them bonding so it actually has a bit of context so it's not just a random whale that's dying it's the one that we know a little bit about you know it's the one that yeah. we have a little bit of uh connection to because the, the whales like migrate you know yeah. depending on the season and they they always come back to to be with the person or the navi that they've bonded with and they just like catch up like friends like yeah here are my babies. I, I see you have one too, and he's growing up fine. You know, and they actually like communicate and stuff. And it is, um, yeah, it's 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 like uh, it, it doesn't feel like a pet. Like it feels like uh, it feels more it's than like, like the dragons yeah. that they fly. You know, also it feels like uh, yeah, a friend, uh, a relative, or something. And, you know, and something, likewise, something stronger. They have like a direct comparison to like the the dragons that are flown. There's these ones that are more like water based. They still fly, but they can swim in water as well uh so we see like you know jake and the kids have to bond with like you know new versions of that but the the, the whale the whaling scene though um like the music that plays during that as it's actually dying as it's finishing is the same music that plays as the trees falling in the first movie <laughs> yes i heard that yes, <laughs> i heard I, the trumpet I, I know you did i know you did because i i sent you a a compilation of all the times that james yeah. has used that obviously james Horner didn't do this movie because he passed away sadly uh, but yeah. they use a lot of his music in it. The music was quite good, though. I, I thought it, yeah, it, it was obviously so much of it was the same as the yeah. first film, but it was quite good. I was a little sad that the music from the teaser trailer didn't pop up in it because I really liked that. But, you know. I can't quite uh, think of it, but it was a nice trailer. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whale, as the whale's dying, I, I, I like the idea that this, this, I think what I like about it, uh, just to sort of, I'm trying to, you know, put, put my thoughts into a, a, a verbiage that isn't just vomit. So, obviously the tree fall was a big deal. This was their home being destroyed in the first movie. It was this big pivotal point in, in the story. I think by treating this whale being killed in the same way is a really strong way to emphasize how horrific this is. Because on paper, it's not as big a deal, right? On paper, this home that's housed, housing to like, you know, hundreds or thousands of Navi, however, probably just hundreds, because I think it's, it's thousands once they connect with other tribes i think after that so like but there's this is hundreds of people who live here there's you know children and there's like elderly navi and you know everyone their entire community is in this tree and they're knocking this down the death of one whale is obviously in a pure hard logic way is not as big as that right it's sad it's tragic but it's not as bad as that i think putting that in this moment with that music with the same sort of end of act two this is what's going to propel the big stuff that's coming after is 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 the is the point the point that the movie's getting across here is how horrific it actually is and you feel it for this character and i love that it's saying we're not trying to top the size of what we did in the first movie we're saying that emotionally this is a bigger deal and we're hitting well, you in those chords harder i mean i i th- would think it's a bit bigger deal already because you've killed uh something that has you know um sentience i mean maybe because it's pandora the tree did but it's it's not exactly the same but like um on the scale but i think 
it's not just that, but like Jemaine Clement is like talking to Spider about the whales and like saying, oh yeah, they're probably smarter than us. Like, how do you figure that out? Because they have this part of their, they have more neurons in their, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, to connect. So they, they likely have complex language and they, they can feel things and they have relationships and they, yeah, they're probably smarter than us and they probably, um, or they definitely like feel more than we do. Like they're more emotional and than we are. And it's like, he keeps the dialogue keeps like building yeah, up just yeah. like but, how but, bad this is. And then when they do die or when the, the whale does die, you see all the other whales surrounding it and mourning the loss of their, so I, my sister was sitting next to me and she's like, okay, come on, Cameron, because he kept amping it up. You know, he just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Oh, no, just, just to clarify something here, it's not really about comparing it to the tree itself. It's more about comparing it to the old and the V that died when the tree fell, you know, because it's more than one. But what you're describing here is a really interesting point, I think, because it, it backs up something that I always say is that you can tell me the world's in jeopardy and the millions of people might die. But if you give me one character that you actually get to know and care about, that means more to me than just a mass of people, which I think is what you're getting at here, is that, yeah, obviously it meant a lot to Natiri and the Navi that we knew in the first film, but it was all red shirt in the V that died, you know, to put it in a movie term. Um, whereas here, this is one character that we did get to know a little of, and we see the reaction of those around it, we see the reaction of uh, Kate Winslet's character when she finds out, and... Uh, they're all mad, and I thought they were going to get pissed at Jake because they, you know, he brought this war to their, their doorstep, kind of thing. Uh, and... Yeah, I thought he was going to have to do another Jake Sully speech yeah. to, you know, get everybody amped up. But J- Jake's willing to leave. Obviously, afterwards, he's like, "No, you're like you bonded with, uh, you know, because they've got like an underwater tree that they bond with, much like they have their, you know, <laughs> tree." Um, and he's he's like, "No, no, like you bonded with us. That means you're one of us for life. That you know, you are our people now." Uh, and they're accepted as, as those people. But, um, you know, it is important that when, you know, some of the kids go to warn the whale, uh, it's you know, it's a mix of both Jake and Natiri's kids, but also uh, the, you know, the, the, the water tribe leader's daughter as well, which actually, can we talk about her sexy introduction? <laughs> it was pretty funny. It, it made me laugh because obviously, like, Jake's family arrive after traveling uh, at this beach and out of the water, like a like a Bond movie or something, in slow motion, you know, the hair all wet, sexy, water in the V it was comes a Bond out. Moment, sure, but it was also like a you know a teenager seeing this yes. girl come out of the water, like because uh, we're we're seeing it through the eyes of our uh, world. <laughs> sure, swing. Dreamweaver. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> and like low action, like staring, like in slow motion. Actually, it reminded me of uh, there's a scene. I think it's in like season one or two of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Dennis like sees like a news reporter that he like sort of instantly falls in love with, uh, and this heart song starts playing as she's walking in slow motion, and that's all I could think is she's like getting out the water in slow motion and low action, like staring, <laughs> and I'm like. You could, I mean, but you could definitely see the same scene happen, like with humans on in like a coming of age comedy. Or oh something. yeah, for sure. But yeah. it's it's just funnier though because like it's not a human. So, but the camera's still treating her like she's the sexiest thing ever. <laughs> it's, it's just like this is confusing. Yeah, I she was pretty cute. For, well, yeah, know, for, <laughs> yeah, for yeah, for, for for like a fish navy looking because because they do because the, the the water navy for lack because I can't remember what they're called. Uh, like they're they are more amphibian looking. Their eyes just have that kind of almost like a Abe Sapien kind of slight you know look to them. We see them like have the secondary blinkers, like a yeah. Men in Black alien at one point too. Like they have, 
uh, something else that protects over their eyes for when they're swimming. Which is actually one of the things, uh, you know, as they're, as they're training, like, the family to, like, adapt to their way of life. Like, well, because you grew up in the trees, like, you're better at climbing, you're better at jumping, you're better at all these things, but you're not as strong, you're skinnier than we are, and you can't swim as fast. And one of the things we learn is that th- these... They're like babies. Yeah, they're like babies. <laughs> but, they use the baby line. But they, uh, like, they can hold their breath for a long time. There's a, there's a scene early on in this part of the movie that shows it really well where... They like, uh, you know. So let me just get her name here, so I can actually call her something. Um, Rhea is a uh, sexy, <laughs> water in the V, teenager. <laughs> That's a really weird sentence. Don't, don't take that out of context. <laughs> um, but so so Rhea uh, and her brother are teaching at, at least uh, the two brothers, if not all four of the kids, uh, like how to swim, or at least like they're, they're taking them underwater somewhere, and like our main brothers like have to get up for air like three times and. The two amphibian ones are just like, what's wrong with them? What's going on? <laughs> like, and like, it's like, oh shit, we have to let, train them how to just hold their breath for like a reasonable amount of time. Because it's, it's not that they can breathe underwater; they're just good at holding their breath for like extended like periods. Divers. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it's, I think it's notable that they take to this better than the adults do. Because at the end of the movie, when like uh, Loax <laughs> try to save Jake, when they're because you know the, the the big the big boat's flipped upside down, they're trapped inside it, and the water's rising. And he's trying to like he's having to like sort of talk Jake through how to hold his breath for longer. He knows how to do it now, and Jake doesn't. It's this idea that the next generations get a better chance of like you know, like properly and in- diversifying and in- integrating everything better than the, the current generation has. And I think that's, that's going to be usually the case, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even Natiri has a hard time adjusting to it because you know when they all go to war, she goes back to flying, and even Jake is on the water, like trying to. Uh, hold his breath and and use the water uh, dragon thing to to attack, and Natiri's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go up, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the sky. Which I mean I think strategically it makes sense to have a couple of people in the sky, you know. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely helpful. I really love uh, Natiri and uh, Kate Winslet's character also, and, and their little like uh, head butting scenes. Um, I think probably the biggest laugh that the theater got for me as well is after uh, Kiri gets injured. And they call in, you know, what's his face, nose guy, to come in, <laughs> and uh, I don't remember his name. Norm. Norm. Norm and the other dude. <laughs> they call in Norm to like, you know, oh yeah, we're scanning her, her brain and stuff. She, everything seems to be fine. She's not waking up for some reason. And then uh, the Kate Winslet shows up when she's got her like shaman stuff that she's going to do, and Natiri's like, get out of here. You you do nothing. <laughs> You've done nothing. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's probably just her acting. Like she's so, uh, she was so good in this. So no, she was very good. I, I think uh, on Kiri because you mentioned her getting hurt there. Uh, this is like she basically has like a seizure when she connects to the you know the the tree, the underwater tree. That's the, the you know the life, the Awa blood, tree, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like the doctors like telling Jake like you can never let her do that again because basically part part of just because she's different, uh, like. It's, it's basically epilepsy and this will trigger if she ever connects to it and it could kill her like, th- like this reaction was severe and he's like whatever because obviously to to the navi this is a big deal like they have to connect to their their tree and kiri already is like expressed throughout the film that she feels different partly because she's this immaculate conception she has the extra fingers like you know she the, the other kids like call her a freak at one point this is already something that's playing on her and this is going to be a further separation and then obviously after this, though, we then get her scenes of where she's starting to kind of like communicate with some of the life or she 
sends in the obviously towards the end she goes and saves her mother by using the light uh, bug things you know the light fish whatever you want to call them um and you know it's all these sweet moments and it's kind of like obviously i expect this to come back up but certainly it feels like she's actually very powerful it just in ways that she doesn't know how to like predict yet you know it's because she's going to be powerful in different ways to the others and i think that's you know it's going to be empowering when we see her kind of realize that potential uh yeah. so i thought they set up a lot of interesting stuff with her actually obviously they set up as well that any, anyone who goes back into ewa they can kind of go and see in that kind of like memory if, if you will so we see her like talk to Sigourney Weaver, who's in Ewa, which obviously makes sense from the, you know, her ending from the last film. And similarly, one of the last scenes of the movie is Jake and Natiri going in to see their dead son. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like, it's not like they're alive and talking to them directly. It's kind of like, it's almost like a series of memories that are kind of like overlapping and switching between and like they're kind of communicating, but it's not. It was like an AI that's just uh, developed a, a way to hold on to memories like that. Kinda, yeah, kinda. Uh, like, we can piece together f- based on what we've, you know, taken from your minds. Uh, to, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, again. it's not like they're just going in for a chat and you're on the phone to someone. It's a bit more ethereal where, you know, they'll be coherent for like a minute, but then it'll switch to like maybe something different or, you know. But, uh, so, you know, it like, there's a lot of interesting stuff set up with these characters. Obviously, Took, I could see, obviously, he's just a cute kid in this one and is in Jeopardy a lot. But I could see her getting some cool stuff later when she's older. But certainly the other siblings all have, like, big stuff going forward that they can clearly go into. Um, even Spider, uh, counting him as one of the siblings, I think. Yeah. They all have a lot of meat uh, in their stories, potentially. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very curious about the Spider and Quaritch um, going forward and their relationship. And I, th- I think there's so much to mine there. You know? Oh, yeah. Actually, one of the things that I really liked about uh, the the design of the characters, actually, is I noticed that this is actually part of what helped me tell the brothers apart as the movie went on, is I noticed that Loak looked more like Natiri, and the the older brother looked You're more right. like Jake. He, he but, looked uh, very much like Jake. Like yeah, uh, yeah. And I thought that was interesting that the one who's rebelling and the one who's like running off was the one who looks more like Natiri. I just thought that was an interesting little detail, mm-hmm. uh, especially since the other one seems to like uh, you know like really care about his father's like uh thoughts and wishes and has always been very respectful um, yeah it was, it was very much um raised as you're the one with the responsibility yeah. because you're the oldest you know and i think that does just naturally something that happens when you're the older sibling um to someone younger I, and I the middle child would be like i can get away with more <laughs> and i don't think this is necessarily like super intentional but i think it also kind of fits into the theme that the kid that was raised to be the traditional respectful child is the one that ultimately meets his demise, whereas the one who's willing to, like, do things differently and, like, connect with things he's not supposed to connect to and willing to take risks and chances is the one who survives. Like, I think that makes sense thematically for what, where the story ultimately is going to go or what it, yeah. it feels like it's going to go, you know? Uh, so, I don't know, I, I like all that stuff. And, you know, we, we could be jumping around because we're just talking about the characters. Because I think the characters are, by and far, the most interesting stuff in the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the plot is 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 very simple. I mean, again, instead of unobtainium, there's this ambergris stuff that yeah. we need to collect, and obviously, we see a connection to real life events of people poaching for whales, and yep, yep. we already hate all those people. So it's it's a very easy thing to be like, well, they're the, they're the villains. They're and, and, and now it's Let's, like 
murder them. And now it's literally <laughs> stealing life. Like you're stealing their brain just because you want to live longer. Like that's yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's even a line from uh, I guess from Spider who's like, "Well, what do you do with the rest of it? Uh, we let it sink." Yeah. I mean, they that, don't treat it as a life. Yeah, that, that ties it into, like, you know, I mean, I know you didn't love this necessarily, but like in the last movie, it was like, you know, we respect what we kill. We only kill if we have to. And we use every part because we don't put any of this life to waste. Whereas this yeah. is like, no, we'll take that one important part and the rest deal. You know. And because it's a whale, it's like tons of extra like they're not using, you know? It's, it's huge. Like they're yeah. inside the mouth of it and they're just inside a giant cavern. You know, it's, yeah. 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 So uh obviously it's touchy you can definitely feel cameron's environmentalism kind of like you know coming out here uh with with a lot of this this story um i've actually heard that it's not doing that well in japan and part of the reason why is because japan does have a big whaling uh like yeah community. when i lived there there was a restaurant outside the base that served whale i never yeah. ate it I, I did eat some things that i'm not proud of but i never ate whale I, there, there was just automatically like no maybe it's because of free willy but like i just couldn't, <laughs> i just definitely was like no that's crossing a line yeah I, that's actually something I, you're gonna like this as a vegan but there there used to be a like a like a billboard with like animals and it was like a cat a dog a horse a cow you know a pig and it was you know it was like obviously like a vegan or vegetarian ad that said where do you draw the line and i think yeah mentally there was like right there there's a line there's a line right between these yeah, two but the point of that billboard is to make you ask why do you draw the line there like what oh no is I, the I know i know but the reason why I'm, yeah. I'm bringing this up though is because yeah like even for you at the time when you did eat meat there was a line there was a fundamental line. i was like no that's that's too far like that's I just, yeah it was just a i mean if i had a spirit animal it would yeah. be a whale it would be a humpback whale honestly <laughs> like that's I, I love whales i love the humpback whale it's my favorite and as, as, since i was a kid and it probably probably Star Trek Four is to blame to it for it and Free Willy, and I used to have like music that had whale songs in it, and it was all humpback whales. And <laughs> <laughs> I had toys, I had stuffed animals. I I, I love the humpback whale, and so uh, yeah, it's an easy thing for me to be like, yeah, absolutely not happy. Like I won't eat dog, or I won't eat, <laughs> you know, even even then. Although I might have eaten dog, but <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. There was a mystery meat in Korea, and you know, someone brought it up that that's a place that serves dog. But I don't know for sure if they were if they knew for sure or just like trying to mess with me. Yeah, just don't think about it. <laughs> like I don't want to think about you've it. You've left it behind. You, know? you can but, move on. Uh, the the line that you know it does make you question it, right? Like I should have questioned well, yeah. why do I draw the line at whale and not tuna? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, like the. I, certainly in this film they, they present this creature as being not only as intelligent as the humans in the navi but potentially more intelligent it's just that you know they they can't express it in quite the same way that we're used to seeing you know they can't speak they're speaking yeah, they can't build spaceships and stuff yeah. you know they they don't need to <laughs> the, the hubris of man is that because we can build things and don't get me wrong that is why the, the one of the uh almost guilty pleasures of the movie is that obviously the humans are mostly villains and i obviously hate them for that but i do think all their tech is really cool and i like seeing it man i mean obviously like right away you're impressed by the by the look of everything but when they have that shot from space where you see like the spaceships coming like mm -hmm. the ships coming from from earth and you're that's like that was really impressive all of a sudden i was like okay this is kind of like a thing that i've seen you know 
uh, footage from space, but it looks so realistic. And we've seen a lot of that. Like we've seen a lot of movies Mm -hmm. with spaceships in space. Why does this one look 10 times better, if not more than all the things that I've seen already? (laughs) I was so impressed by that shot. Time and money. That's the answer, really. I just, yeah, it was just one of those things. It's like putting glasses on for the first time, and you go, "Wait, you could." You're so, people are supposed to see like well, this, and t- t- time, money, a director who gives a shit, and also a director who has the power to enforce that they give a shit. <laughs> like that's yeah. that, that's that's the four elements <laughs> that make make for great CG, pretty much. Obviously, all the yeah. effects are us, but like you know, <laughs> yeah, and. and y- I mean, he's right. Like, what are the best? <laughs> Kudos. You're going to win every award ever from now on. Which is ironic because this film had everyone being quite wet. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that one. That's right. Actually, the um, I'm not exactly sure, but like when I was at the show today, because I went to, in Hollywood to watch it, and an IMAX, and it was uh, when the credits were rolling, I just kind of stuck around, you know, mm-hmm. just in case. You never know. So I know their sequel's coming and they're shot, so maybe something would come up. Mm-hmm. It's not really Cameron style. But a lot of people <laughs> were, like, hanging out during the credits, during the movie, and then during the special effects stuff, like, people started cheering. And I think there are people in the audience who either oh, know people who work there or worked on the movie. And not like, surprising. Oh, kind of cool. G- given that there's probably, like, 500 <laughs> FX artists on it, <laughs> it's not surprising. That one Actually, the credits felt uh, shorter than like the usual ones we get for, like uh, you know, for Marvel films and uh, stuff maybe. like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, by the way, I, I need a, 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 uh, there's a correction I need to make for the last movie. Oh, which is kind of funny, actually. Um, Celine Dion did not do a song for Avatar. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I learned that today also. Yes. Uh, apparently, it was someone named Leona Lewis. Uh, this. I just heard a woman say and assumed it was uh, Celine she Dion. She was very Celine-like. And yeah. I legitimately thought that was Celine Dion for 13 years. Yeah, because we got The weekend at this one, and I was like, oh, um, he didn't do Celine Dion again. And my sister's like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I thought he was in a Celine Dion list. <laughs> she said, no, it's Leona Lewis. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I don't Oops. know who that is. So I, I just heard the singing and went, that's Celine Dion, because it's Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Swire, no one corrected in the comments. Uh, like, is the, like, I don't know if other people have just made this mistake or if no one cared enough. But I like The weekend, so it was nice to hear his voice. I, I can't really remember the song at all, though. And Usually his songs are pretty catchy. So maybe maybe uh, well, I'll look into it. Yeah. Ain't Easy Bean Blue? <laughs> there you go. Okay. That was a good line that we got early on. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I so, know what you're all thinking. So, just, just to sort of reiterate what some of the plot actually is. So, you know, like, obviously, Colonel Quaritch, uh, as, as obviously an avatar with his squad, encounter the kids. Uh, they have a bit of a fight. A couple of his men go down. They go hunting. So this is actually one of the interesting things is that they actually do disappear for a, a large part of the movie where when we're in the middle act and we're at the, the water place so we do cut back to Quaridge as he's learned how to fly the, the, the dragony thing but after that scene he does disappear for like a pretty extended part of the movie like we just stick with the family and what they're doing um, but then he ends up teaming up with because uh, they, they get like just uh, it's, it's because Kiri got sick they, they were able to see that uh, one of the ships like one of the, the other you know the 
the few humans that are on their side ships go out to them for the medical stuff. So it's like, oh shit, they're in this region. They're somewhere over here where all these islands are. We're going to start looking. And he starts, like, you know, torturing. He almost kills some, some Navi, demanding to know where Jake is. Um, he doesn't quite do it, but he does burn their village. So again, he's willing to kill, you know, destroy people's homes and, you know, pretty much his MO. And he ends up teaming up with the whalers and he uses the wh- the whales as bait. It basically, because the whaler says, oh, we don't hunt them here because they're close to the people, the Navi, and that would, like, you know, be too much trouble. And Quartz is like, hey, no, that's good. That's what I want. We're going to do it here because I want to draw them out. Uh, so he does that. Uh, some of the kids try to warn the whale and then basically once they have the kids like all the Navi uh, in the area show up and we get this big war scene again but it's worse than on the water so we get whales diving we get boats flipping uh, we obviously have a lot more soldiers in the mech suits Uh, there's also like a skinny mech suit in this one which is not really for fighting it's just for like walking around it's just like being in stilts with some arms yeah, we get Edie Falco's in this movie too. I was surprised to see her. Yeah, she's like the new Quaritch, although she also disappears like after. Like she's there for like the reintroduction of stuff where she's talking to, to Quaritch, but, uh, and she also likes to drink coffee like Quaritch as she's like yeah, watching she's people using it blow with shit the up. Mech suit, so she has to like drink coffee like this so that the mech suit yeah. lines up to the mouth. I thought that was an interesting choice. Because otherwise could... she'd get punched in the face, yeah. right? All, all I could think would be like, uh, yeah, why don't you use your own hand for that? And I'm thinking, well, maybe that means she has to take it away from the control of the arm, and maybe that's too like cumbersome to go back and forward. So maybe that's why she's trying. Yeah, because if she would, if she just uses her real arm to go like this, then like the mech arm might like be here. Oh, true, true, true. Uh, <laughs> too so, risky. So she's walking around with him. Uh, this is where we get all the exposition of the city, and they're 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 properly settling here now. They want to make this like Earth Two, basically, and colonize it. Yeah. I was curious, like, how long have the whalers been there? Like, you know, they seem to have uh, a an year? idea of where they can... Do yeah. you think it's just a year? Or, I think like, so. Uh, cause maybe I... this thing has been going on the whole time when, like, the other part was... Unobtainium was being mined over here, and the whaling is being done over here, and we just didn't, like... Oh, I see uh, what you're saying. You're saying that it was separate enough that they didn't get driven off Earth uh, with the others. I don't know. I get the impression that they just came down with everyone else a year ago, and this is just, you know... They've been well, doing they this knew for about this ambergris stuff. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, they definitely the, did. Which uh, begs, which, yeah. So even if it wasn't good on the whole time, it definitely implies that they were doing some whaling the last time they were here because they knew about it. Yeah, that makes sense because none, none of it could have been back to Earth yet. You know, they've only been here a year. We know it takes. Yeah. We know it takes five years to get back to Earth. So, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, but, yeah, that sets up all that stuff. And I'm assuming that some of the, you know, Natiri and Kate Winslet's characters don't get a bunch to do in this movie. I'm assuming they have more in, like, you know, the third. Especially if Jake ends up dying all of a sudden. <laughs> like, you know, you've got this vacuum and the adult characters where Natiri's going to be, like, the main one. Because um, that could be quite heartfelt if Jake dies and Natiri, who has been, you know, very... You know, xenophobic's not the right word. That's not fair to her. But, like, she's very much, you know, we, we are our kind. We stick to ourselves. It'd be very interesting if Jake's death's the thing that kind of makes her have to, like, sort of accept that she has to, like, train or teach her kids something different, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that opens her up. It's like, no, Jake believed in this, so I have to try and, you know, follow through on it and sort of go with it. Uh, I could definitely see her, like, you know, maybe saving Spider being a big, big moment at some point. Like, if she actually, like, sides with Spider and tries to, like, you know, not, not intentionally make up for what she did, but, like, 
just like the journey leads them to a point where she's actually defending him or helping him and or, or something like that you know yeah yeah so do you want to talk about that scene i don't know if we've really discussed like what she did to turn on spider well i mean, we mentioned it briefly but yeah so there's a big standoff where uh courage ends up with kiri like he ends up back with her when she was trying to help save uh, the others and that's actually one of the, the things that just to um, immediately tangent in a way but uh <laughs> it's okay. but one of the things i did wanted to mention is there's a couple of moments where the kids do make kind of relatively dumb choices that put themselves in danger but i do want to point out here that it's never a problem because it's always for a noble reason like you know like uh you know kulak will put himself in danger or sorry loak that's kulak loak 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 always puts himself puts himself in danger when he goes to like defend the whale to pull out the the tracker thing but of course it doesn't matter you never have to feel like oh you're an idiot because he's doing it for good reasons like even if it's technically the unintelligent choice it's there's yeah, always and, a heart you know, behind the reason- it all the children are together in order and they're all in danger at the same time it's because they're all trying to like stick together because they're all trying to help each other out and there's constant choices to go and save their siblings those choices where oh shit the girls are in trouble we have to go back and get them our parents in trouble we have to go back and get them there's constant spider yeah yeah, there's constant heroic choices that are being made that make you like the characters is i guess what i'm saying but anyway so uh courage ends up with uh kiri uh and he's like look you know because he tried to make this deal before the, the the big war started um but then he tries to make it again here he's like look you for her you turn yourself in jake and i'll let her go and then the teary like jumps out grabs spider and is like no son for a son like you know uh and because because at this point obviously uh, their son's dead um and all this is in the rain the fire in the background like adds because so much of the movie's blue that when that fire starts happening it's, it really pops you know as a contrast to the rest of the yeah. colors and it's after like uh spider observes natiri like just murdering like it with bloodlust going after oh, yeah. a bunch of humans and stuff and he hides he hides from her he is like legit afraid of her in that moment even though there's no one else around so he could be like i'm here you know let me let me help you he still hides from her in that moment like she she's an animal to him there's definitely a complex like continuation of this to to you know go forward with yeah i uh, thought that scene was uh, was saying a lot you know yeah. there wasn't any words spoken but it was I, saying so much i think know? that's one of the things that i'd say about this movie in general actually is that i feel like a lot of these characters we've said repeatedly here how there's so much left to do and that it sets up with all these characters and their relationships with each other that if you like compared to the first film where well it was clear where they could go with sequels i wouldn't say the characters had anything left over you know it was such a neat bow tie at the end where you know jake becomes in the v they're in love it's over right whereas at the end of this movie i'm like no natiri and spider a lot of stuff there loax rise to being the new leader and like his relationship with everyone else a lot to explore there and his love interest as well which is only you know they, they don't even kiss in this movie but there's clearly a romantic you know uh, yeah. The, the confirmation of it is when uh uh what was her name again? Rhea. When Rhea Sexy teenager. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> when Rhea uh is talking to her whale and she's like, I met a boy and I'm like, ah so, so, yeah. Yeah. Just, 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 just in case we thought, oh maybe it's one sided. No 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 no, she's she's smitten. She's smitten, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some Twitter pated things going on. <laughs> uh but yeah so yeah and the theory uh and quaritch ha- does make this choice he says he doesn't care he says i don't care he's not my son and that's something that's like said to him a few times like uh you know the, the new colonel lady says it to him 
remember that's not your son. Because there's a few times where he like turns off the torture device and he's like, no, let me try the emotional approach to get the information or something. And he's like, remember, don't get soft, that's not your son. And I was like, they're really reiterating this where I'm like, okay, he's not literally the same man. He is a copy of the man. But what is a person, if not all of their memories and experiences? Like, he doesn't have the last part. And even though he's not biologically technically his father, it stands to reason that he would care about him. And it stands to reason that he would have a connection with them. I don't think that's uh, unreasonable. Oh, yeah. I, I, But I honestly thought that it, the movie could go either way with his character. Where, like, I really didn't trust him to save his son mm. in the moment. Because he is so, like, for the core and bent on revenge. Um, but I also could see that you know yeah there are seeds of something like if they go that direction which they end up ultimately doing just, and I, it is kind of a nice moment i think that's a fair, also a confusing moment for spider <laughs> yeah i think that's a very fair point uh you made there is that it, it really like wasn't guaranteed that he was going to do that like i i, I could have seen the point of this scene being to sell this is how much of a villain he is is that he he will just let spider die and the team is yeah. going to have to like you know like pull back at the last second she's going to go to kill him and be like no i can't do it uh yeah. even though i believed her in the scene i did believe her but like like I, I think that's a really interesting thing to pull off because i typically i would say i can kind of feel where the story's going one way or the other and it really could have went in either direction with him there at that moment it was a real divergent point and i think it's interesting obviously what he chose to do and i think as well going back to what i was saying about how you know the colonel lady and others saying he's not really your son don't get attached and then he himself reiterates that throughout the film i think that's a really important thing thematically is it ties back in again to the dehumanization of any other life form to justify what they're doing she's kind of doing the same thing by saying that's not your son because you're not related technically by blood you shouldn't care about him and so much of like empathy is in this story and is any story like this is about no you have empathy for others and the blood bond is not actually the most important thing like the family you build is just as important and often more important than the family you have just because you happen to be related to someone so and this is closer than most because he's, he's still kind of his dad like he's you know, it's slightly slightly adjacent to it but it's, it's right. more, more or less there so i think the idea that he is going to learn some form of empathy because his son was willing to save him is a really interesting, you know, start of that anti-hero redemption, redemption path that he could mm-hmm. go on uh, that does fit into the themes of the greater story and add some conflict internally for his character as well. So, I think that's, I think that's really good stuff, actually. Uh, when, when you stop and think about it and break down that everything in this, this story, everything in this world is about empathy and about your kind what constitutes your kind and should you mix with other kind and the answer the good answer is always yes absolutely diversity is what makes everyone stronger but there's all these biases there's all these prejudices and even even this is a a part of that even this little conflict internally is a part of that it's a pretty good movie (laughs) i actually think i like it more than i've talked about it like through properly yeah well i mean so much of like just taking it all in in a theater for the first time like i i am like super excited to be there and just uh just trying to it's it's hard for me to even remember like you know how scenes even progressed because it's just i I, i'm just like trying to to be in the moment of what i'm seeing and and i do get distracted by how pretty like a fish is or something you know (laughs) 
They, 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 they have some, amazing <laughs> the spaceship looks. They do have some pretty weird looking fish. That's that's fair to say. Uh, I, I can't imagine the effort that they're making. Like, because there's so many little life forms just around in the water that they had. They're, they're not real life forms. They had to design all of these. <laughs> yeah, but so they all look like they belong there, though. Right? Oh, they, sure. They, yeah, it's, yeah. it's such a brilliant um, design. That's what happens when you spend 13 years <laughs> making the damn movie. <laughs> well, the good news is, though, is unlike last time, the next one is completely shot. And, like, so the idea that we can have it in two years' time is actually feasible because it's, I think it is just effects. You know, it's just post-production yeah. uh, for that. And I think this shot, like, I want to say it's, like, either a quarter or a third of the fourth movie, which is interesting because that's, like, a really weird amount to shoot of a movie. It makes me wonder if there's a time jump in the fourth movie. And like they wanted they to shoot the kids. Yeah, so they wanted to do all the stuff with the kids before the time jump. Before, uh, I think I heard James Cameron in one of the interviews say something along the lines of like, or maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was one of the actors saying like, mm. "Oh yeah," and plus we did a little bit of the fourth movie because we, you know, the kids are growing up so quickly. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense to me. Uh, that yeah. that's but you know, even if it's not a time jump, even if it's just a case of there's just some scenes with some of the kids that like they need to get done. Just yeah. you know, so that, that makes some sense. Um. So, we're getting more. Yeah, I mean, the third one's a guarantee because it's already shot. And I think four and five will happen. Like, I, I mean, as far as what this movie's going to make, because the first one was such a surprise with how much money it made, I think this one will obviously make the billion. It may scrape to 1.5. And obviously some people look at that and say, that's a disappointment because that's a billion less than the last one. But the thing is, is that if all of these sequels all make a billion and a half, and it lets Disney have their new theme park, and it lets Disney ha- sell lo- lots more merchandise and a video game and all that stuff. I don't think a billion and a half is anything to be upset about. Um, yeah, I just wish their park was not in a zoo. That's fair. That's fair. Especially with some of the themes in this movie that James Cameron ignored in order to <laughs> promote at SeaWorld in <laughs> Japan. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You saying that it's not doing as well in like the Asian market for that reason makes me think, okay, he was definitely forced to do that, but they oh, should have sure. sent somebody else. He should have been like, I, I can't do it. Like specifically have Japan. you seen Avatar of the Way of Water? I, there's, there's actually a few, and this is not making excuses because it was always going to make less than the first movie, but there are a few unavoidable facts that are leading to it being a little bit lower because uh, Avatar 1, I think, like... It made, like, some silly amount in China. In fact, it was... Honestly, Avatar, in many ways, was the American movie that said, hey, we can make a lot of money in China, which is why so many blockbusters now try to get released in China. And the thing with China right now is that because of how they have handled the pandemic, they're having more outbreaks again, and everyone's locking down. So right away, like, the the amount that they're making in China is probably, like, half of what it probably would have been. So Mm -hmm. maybe that means it'll have longer legs because it'll be there for a while, and, you know, people slowly get to it or whatever but um you've got that going on uh and then you know just just in general you know we are still in the tail end of a pandemic and it's still something that has to be considered so i mean i'll probably see it at least one more time yeah which i i I I still think it's going to do very well it's just not going to break astronomical records like the last one did and that's okay. <laughs> um, if, if this had to make over $2 billion to be, like, pro- I mean, admittedly, I agree that making $2 billion on this probably isn't profitable as a whole because they made, like, all of the third movie too. They probably have to account for the fact that, no, the third one has to come out and make another billion and a half to, 
you know get us to profit but um you know hollywood accounting being what it is but i i can't if, if this makes over a billion and then the third one makes over a billion i can't imagine disney saying no you're not making four or five <laughs> like <laughs> it's not happening um will they get a little bit less money to do it eh, that's that's possible but we'll see yeah we'll see uh so I, I think there's a lot of depth here. I think there's especially more I've talked about it. I think there's a lo- a lot of character depth and thematic depth. The story is pretty straightforward. The revenge element of it is just kind of what it is. Um, I do think it's a stronger film than the first. I think this film improves the first film as well, which is the mark of a strong sequel. Um, so I guess we're ready to rate the movie. Actually, there's one one critique I saw said uh, that I just want to just quickly debunk is I saw someone say it's got the Lord of the Rings Return of the King thing where there's a lot of false endings and I did not get that at all. No. I, <laughs> I I never once thought this is the end and then was surprised there was another scene and then when the final scene actually plays it's very obvious the final moment because it ends the same way the first one does. It's a close-up of Jake's eyes and he's like, oh yeah, you know, like we're taking the fight to them kind of moment and that's, you know, Avatar, Way of the War. Here's some mountains. <laughs> here's some pretty music with the weekend <laughs> <laughs> and for the record i did see this in 3d um it is the first time i have willfully seen a 3d movie in like a decade um i will say i don't think it's necessary i think but i will credit it and say it wasn't distractingly annoying either it was just kind of there and i think see it in a big screen see it in a loud screen but i think 3d's you know whatever <laughs> I mean, I saw want. an IMAX 3D. Um, I, uh, I'll, the next time I see it, I probably won't. But I will. I don't know. Like the the 3D, I thought was just enhanced the whole experience for me. Um, because you you really do feel like it's just so immersed, you know, <laughs> in everything. I, I feel um, the opposite. I think. I mean, I don't think it was too bad here because the movie's shot in 3D and it's it's bright enough and all the rest of it, but. I think the 3D is actually distracting to me because it's like it's like a weird extra thing that's not usually there in movies. So especially see when there's something in the foreground that's at the edge of the frame, uh, like it feels weird to me that there's an edge because it's 3D. So that's like a focus thing in the foreground. It feels like it shouldn't just be cut off like that. So yeah, I, I actually it takes me out of the movie because it feels like this. I don't know, like something that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> Yeah, the thing that kind of distracted me was the uh, like the the fast zoom in to make it feel like a documentary almost. Like you're just you're far away, like and the camera's kind of moving around because you're on maybe like a oh, helicopter yeah. or something, and then it'll zoom in. Like, uh, that, like I know what you're talking about. So uh, yeah. usually in a documentary, this will be like the, the, it'll be a fast zoom and then a quick refocus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That happened a couple of times in this, where I'm just like, well, that was a that was a camera. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's a cameraman there. It felt well, less that, immersive. That's why, um, by and large, you don't usually see zooms in movies, like in TV. Yeah. Like they don't do it because it, it it feels so. Because your eyes can't zoom, it feels very artificial. Your eyes can change focus. Your eye, you can walk around yeah. and move, but your eyes don't zoom. So, like, because because people sometimes say zoom, and what they really mean is that the camera, you know, moves in, and you know, it's different. It feels different. You know, a zoom, especially a quick zoom, just feels like whoosh, and you're like, oh shit so yeah it's a very conscious choice to do that and i think i think the at- intent of it is to make it feel like by making it feel like a documentary like oh this feels more real 
<laughs> this feels like a real place because you've just done the, the documentary shot. I wonder, maybe it only happens when you're like with the humans and not with the Navi. I, I can't quite remember because I know it happens more than once. And every, mm-hmm. both times I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a cameraman doing that. Um, and it, it it was a little bit like I feel less well, immersed all of a sudden. Well, Joe, what's funny actually is that in the case of this movie, it actually technically might not be a cameraman doing it because it's all digital <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. So like, but it's super intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, you know, it's, we're just it, like, oh yeah, movie. <laughs> I think it's, it's almost it's almost yeah it's almost like a weird meta technique of being like, okay, this movie's mostly CGI at this point, right? There's only like some actors here or there and <laughs> stuff, so it's almost like. By doing these like almost faults that you get in regular films makes it feel more convincing because it feels like a, you know it's like because when you, when Pixar are making a movie or whatever sometimes they'll use like a technique with the cat with the virtual camera that they don't have to do but they do it because it makes you feel like a movie because it's like a yeah. it's like a technique uh, and I think that's kind of this this idea here was like Pandora just feels a bit more real because we just did something that even though it's kind of artificial. It feels like a but cameraman did it. It feels like we went to Pandora yeah. to film this. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what it felt like. So, um, okay, I don't know. I mean, I noticed it. It made me. It made me chuckle, but it wasn't like. I don't know. It wasn't bad. Like it, it wasn't um, the wrong thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Also, just for the record, um, I saw it just in traditional uh, frame rate. I know some places are doing this like variable frame rate where it gets quicker for some of the action scenes. Yes, uh, it was definitely that way for me. Yeah, I've heard people say they didn't like it and it was distracting that it was switching back and forth all the time. Um, I kind of want to see it in 3D in a non-IMAX screen to compare mm-hmm. it because there were definitely points where it felt like there was a bit of a lag almost, like with the frame. And like uh, what I do, what I loved about it though is that in the beginning when it first started to happen, uh, like when we first get the 3D mm. and like Jake's flying around and stuff and... I did start to feel a little bit of the motion thing that people talked about in the Hobbit film, which I yeah. never experienced. Um, but I, I got it a little bit in the beginning. But because it was switched to the other frame rate, that went away like instantly. So be- the constant going back and forth actually, I think, helps with that motion sense. And when it hits the water, like it's always the good frame rate for that. And it's just whoa, so whoa, much. Whoa, 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 whoa good as subjective the better frame rate. <laughs> no no it's not better no the the higher frame rate it's not it, that is very subjective okay, okay, if it's okay. good or better i know i know you, you you can get on your soapbox later well, let no, me finish no, uh, hey, hey, hey. okay 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 <laughs> let me just tell my story here all right oh, well, i thought you were but done the sob sorry i thought you were done i thought you were done there you go As soon as you well, hit anyway. the water. <laughs> okay, okay. I was a joke. I was a joke. I was a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a 9.5. <laughs> no, please. Please finish. I, that was just a joke. I just... I'm over it. It's fine. There was the, <laughs> I, I, I saw potential for funny. And I can let it go. 9.5. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I'm not giving it the 10 because I just watched it. I mean, do I think it's a masterpiece? Probably. I'm just going to hold off for a little bit. And maybe when the next one comes out, I'll know for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going with a nine. I'm going with a higher rating than the first film. Um, I think it's very strong. Yeah. Maybe could have been trimmed in a little bit. Yes. Mm. <laughs> See, you're preparing. Like, I can't even say it. You're preparing it. <laughs> Yeah, your complaints are all petty. 
<laughs> I'm not being. I love the movie. I'm not being pay. <laughs> Do you know the meaning of the word pay? Do you understand yes. pay? <laughs> I feel like I'm getting like a Jerry Seinfeld bit. <laughs> I'm yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Nine out of ten. Uh, I think the the additional characters, the kids are great, the themes are strong, and they they're they're supported by so many different characters and so many different character dynamics in the film that retroactively actually improves the first film a little bit because it feels like like the, the themes have been carried forward and now that was always a seed for everything and not just the plot reasons but the the actual like sort of sentiment behind them and the, the reason for the film so we did it what an epic review <laughs> do we make up now we, we fought a couple times during that <laughs> give me some time off <laughs> i was just gonna say i see you i thought that would be like a nice sweet way to end the review and You'd be like, oh, I'll take some of that Patreon cash. Or, or you'd be like, oh, Peter, that's so nice. I see you too. Now we can wrap up and do the outro, and it'd be it'd be yeah. lovely. I'll see you next week. All right, this this has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. This has been us reviewing Avatar: Way of the War. Uh, let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments below. You can like, subscribe, ding the bell, and all that stuff. You can support all the content uh, by being a member on YouTube or going to patreoncom slash TV and supporting us. Uh, on a monthly basis and getting access to a monthly bonus episode where we uh, you know, review some goofy B-movie of some kind. There's like 40 of those available now in the back catalogue. Um, and then we have the bonus at the $5 tier, which is a monthly show called The Ace Meltdown, uh, which... What do we do on that, Tara? Oh, I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> Why? Uh, it's just like a monthly recap of other things we've been watching um other movies not sci-fi related films um and we also do a little fun quiz to each other so it's just a, a nice little way to get to know us and that's all for you guys that sounds so menacing that we said that there we do a quiz to each other we don't give each other a quiz we do a quiz to each other <laughs> well yeah i mean the point is to win but like i don't know i, I don't feel like it's very competitive our quizzes Oh, it's a, it's a little sci-fi quiz to each other. It's a bit of fun. It's, it's a nice yeah. way to we start play, the show. We play games and we talk about movies that we've watched or TV shows or sometimes video games and even places we've been to. Who knows? Mostly movies, but yeah, those, sometimes they have little movies, extra yeah. thing. Uh, but there you go. Uh, that, is the, that is the show. I will thank our Patreon producers. Um... Thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Pelicius, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they are some of our, our higher-tiered patrons. So thank you very much for joining us. And if you're wondering where Rise of the Planet of the Apes was, uh, between this episode and the last one, we had to delay the recording, so it's coming soon. It won't be next, though, because the next thing we're doing to sort of round off the end of the year is our top 25 sci-fi movies of the 1990s. So expect that next week so look forward to that Whoa. that is that is the plan thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it hopefully we have uh, you know enhanced avatar to the way of the water for you in some way i'd like to think we have yes <laughs> thank you very much we'll see you next time keep watching movies and computer at salsa <laughs>